Sirius XM. On today's show, for the first time, Howard welcomes two-time Grammy-nominated pop star, Demi Lovato. Demi Lovato. Hey, no. Performing live. Talk a little music. forward to meeting Demi Lovano. See you later, Robin. Hello. Yeah. Well, how could I, you be exhausted? You get this got here. I'm exhausted already. Uh, how can I be? I'm sitting here with Fred. He's draining me of all my energy. Oh. Oh. Won't leave me alone, this guy. <laughs> so excited. The, to be sorry about that. Yeah. It's the Martian enemy energy drain. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, uh, I'm actually in our studios in Manhattan. I'm here. I came in because Demi Lovato's coming in, and I wanted to be in the room with her and her band. I see the drums are here, and I see a couple of... What do I see? What do you see? I see drums. So, there you go. Anyway, um, yeah, and you know, the first person I saw when I walked in here was Fred. So great. Wonderful. Yeah, no, I was happy to see him, and he is in the studio with me. I think me. it made him want to turn around and go back home. I, I said, who is that homeless person? And it was Fred. But Who's sleeping uh, in my studio? Where yeah. is this guy living here? It was good to see Fred. Yeah, there's a lot of space in this building. I guess since uh, COVID and whatnot, there's entire floors that are vacant. So really? anybody who wants to move in here, I think it's a good place to hide out. Wow. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, good morning, everybody, and... Yeah, Demi Lovato's coming in. My God, she has a following. 145 million people on Instagram. And she just put out an album. She took some of her old songs and made them rock and roll. She like, oh, she got Slash to play on some of the tracks and things. So she's going to come in and sing a little bit, talk about her life. And what a life, you know. She really had it tough. I mean, she's, she struggles with addiction like big time. And she's but, been famous for a long time. Long time. She started when she was 11. Like, yeah. you know, she was on Barney and then, you know, went into the Disney world and all of that. Oh, 157 million followers on Instagram. Well, Can you are imagine? You giving, are you giving yeah. short shrift to yeah. her followers? Well, first I told you 9 million because I, I was impressed with that number. And then someone said, no, she doesn't have 9 million. She has 157 million followers on Instagram. Anyway, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted for a couple of reasons. Um. Let me see. Let me recap my weekend. You always find that interesting to know what I'm yeah, up to. Yeah, I wonder. You know, I was going to call you. 
Yeah. And then I said, I don't know where he is. Is he going in today? Is he going in tomorrow? Yeah. I would have called you, but I was so busy that uh, I don't think I had time to talk to anyone. Well, that's why I figured you were busy, and I didn't even know when to try to fit myself in to your uh, schedule this week. I was busy hunting the Pennsylvania fugitive all weekend. I'm kind of wrapped up in that one. (laughs) Some dude came over here from Brazil, was it, Robin? Brazil. He's Brazilian. I think so. Here illegally. I can't remember, yeah. In Brazil, he killed a dude. And then he came over here and then killed his girlfriend. They lock him in up front in front of a, a kid, right? Yeah. And from what I'm reading, they locked him up uh, in jail here. Uh, me, I would have sent him back to Brazil and let them foot the bill for his food and uh, lodging. Uh, we got enough prisoners here. We don't need a guy. They, they should have shipped him back. Apparently, we don't even know how to hold somebody from Brazil. <laughs> it is an embarrassment. I mean, this dude, did you see the tape of him like climbing up the wall? Yeah. He got out of prison by just sort of shimmying up a wall. This was kind of funny this morning. I've been sitting here with JD and Mehmed and I don't know who else. They were saying they we're going to set up two walls. Mehmed thinks he could climb a wall like that. I don't think really? so. It's very uh, difficult. I don't think. I think he's, you know, he's still yeah. carrying his baby weight, isn't he? Yeah. I don't think he could do it. I don't know, man. It was weird and then that's embarrassing for law enforcement they can't catch this dude. I mean, first well, of all, first of all, it's like the, the same escape had been had been uh, completed by someone else before him. And they decided, you know, they went to some consultant firm and the consultant firm, instead of making it impossible to do what he did. Yeah. They just put some like that barbed wire around a certain spot and they said that'll be a deterrent people won't want to do it if you put this barbed wire up there and for some reason we allow prisoners to work out like fiends so these guys are super strong i mean and then they fired the guard who's supposed to like the guy who's got eyes on that part of the prison like he's like in a tower or something they fired him they're like dude Really? Yeah, what was he doing? Yeah, what do you think? <laughs> Schnoozing. He's probably like, no one's going to get out of here. That's right. That's a second job. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he uses it for sleep. The number of escapes from county jails has increased this year. From 2015 to 2022, Pennsylvania had a reported 14 escapes. And so far in 2023, there have been at least six. I always thought they had that shit pretty well locked down. but Yeah, I thought when you went in, there was no way to get out fucked up but the other thing is this guy keeps appearing on cameras yeah well now like you, you know like we, tracking him everywhere but they can't catch him well you have like one of those ring cameras and so every yeah. time yeah they and they even have pictures of him he shaved he did the whole thing and they, right, they still now, can't get him he's smiling he looks like he's having a good time yeah i i gotta figure he's just breaking into people's homes stealing cars stealing food <laughs> and and i guess if i was him you know you know what's weird about it the guy's from brazil too like if I was in Brazil and I escaped from a Brazilian prison, I wouldn't know where to go. You're, you're not getting anywhere because you don't know where to go. No, That's I'd be right. like, okay, now I'm out. Where do I go? I don't know where to but go. But this is how easy life is in this country. If you're from Brazil, you can still figure out how to stay away from the police. Yeah, well, this guy's a genius. Even remember the, what was it, Danimore? Those guys were only out for like yeah. three or four days. This, this, right. this dude, he's, he's. They say he escaped the even the perimeter they set up. So right, yeah, he's beyond where they thought he couldn't get, uh, and and 
Apparently, he had enough time in some place to really do himself up. He looks great. He's got new clothes. He's shaved. Yeah, you he's know. got better clothes than JD. <laughs> That's right. He, yeah. JD uh, would get arrested before this guy at Woo. this point. The most violent people go to jail and have nothing to do but work out, and they get in incredible shape, and then they do the... They're calling it a crab walk, but I don't think that's accurate. A crab walk, we used to do those in gym class. They're oh, torture. Oh, what is a crab walk? Like, like you get down, like, on the floor, and you, you know... I, I can't explain it over the radio. I could do it. I mean, I probably uh-huh. couldn't even do it now. But what I he did... I've never heard the term. He did, like, a Spider-Man thing up the wall. Yeah, it seemed to me, I've seen that in movies before, mm-hmm. where people use two close walls yeah. to edge their way up to the top, and then they hang there, and if somebody gets into the elevator or whatever, then they pounce on them or whatever. Well, They're not trying to escape anything, but he that's how he got up to the top where the barbed wire we're was, gonna, and apparently barbed wire was no problem for him. We're going to set that up. J.D., you want to come in? who and- can do it? Come in and show Robin a crab walk. JD says he can do it. <laughs> oh, okay. But this guy now, he's Ooh. like a big star. He's dating Drew Barrymore. I don't know if you know that. If you read, I that. was going to say, when is his movie coming out <laughs> starring him? Hey, JD. <laughs> Look at JD. JD, you still don't have COVID. I hope because you just got over it, dude. I'm fine. I'm in a room with this guy. I'm staying away. What from do you me? mean you're fine? I can't hear anything. <laughs> what do you mean you're fine? <laughs> How do you know you're fine? How do you know you don't have COVID? Uh, did you test? Jesus Christ, that's very loud, Derek. God damn. Uh, no, I did not test, but I haven't. I haven't been like sick or anything for. <laughs> See, long. this is what we're dealing with. Yeah, yeah, we're fucked. Oh, stop! It. <laughs> hey, go ahead, do your crab walk and get the fuck out of here. I'll leave. I don't care. Here, good. Do it. <laughs> oh, you farted when you got that on the floor. Yeah, I fart. All right, you go like this. Oh, oh that's the crab walk. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He's right. There you go. Great for radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're on the radio. And JD just did a crab walk and nobody knows what he did. Where's the wall? I, I can try to do that wall. I heard your. You uh, would try that? Oh my I, goodness. I, I heard your bangles got blown out. Yeah. Guys, don't keep switching them around. Just let them talk into the mic real quick. Bangles. Yes. The, the bangle of COVID is sitting right next to me now. I, I do. I. <laughs> How do you know you don't have COVID? You, just because you feel better? You're supposed to get two negative tests before you say that. I the, la- the I tested uh, whenever I had it. It was like a month ago. Yeah. And then after you after uh, you feel better, uh, no. well, I tested. You test. I, I tested negative. No, you didn't. After- yes, I did. No, you now you're making shit up. No, I didn't. <laughs> say I swear on the life. Of my brother, I, sw- I took a test after I thought I felt better. I swear on the life of my brother, on any part of my family, I took a test that my Saturday. My nephew. That Saturday, nephew. go ahead. I took a test uh, that Saturday, and I was negative. Okay. So. All right. One test. There's supposed to be two. Oh, yeah, listen, Robert. Whatever. Anyway, what happened with the Bengals? They lost. They got killed. They and didn't they like just shit. pay that quarterback a fortune? Yes. From what I remember? Yes. He's the highest paid quarterback Listen, now, right? He didn't have well, a football pre- player. He was injured during the preseason. This was his first game back. Uh, he's probably still feeling his calf injury a little bit. It was raining like crazy. Right. Uh, you know, but what, what was the score? What was the score? Like 23 to 3. <laughs> it was not. <laughs> Listen, at least they scored a point. 
I saw that tweet. Uh, what did you say on X? What, that I was not having a good day? Yeah, that, yes. that was, yeah. Someone tweeted at me, you know, and I said, yeah, I'm not having a good day. <laughs> I got all these Cleveland Browns fans fucking tweeting at me. All right, dude. All right, thank you. All right, get out of here with your COVID. Is JD COVID JD? COVID hey, D. <laughs> I'm going to set you up with Demi Lovato. Oh, no, Demi Lovato's got a boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. I can't so say that. Like all tattooed up. I'm like, not the complete opposite. Yeah. When she sees JD, is she going to dump that guy? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I'm going to let you walk in. <laughs> JD Lovato. Man. Can you imagine? Oh, he'd be unbearable. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't work. Who's with that? Him. Oh, I don't know. I'm just going to ignore that door knock, quite frankly. Because it's early. Who's up at this time? <laughs> um, all right, I better open the door. Oh, it's the ex-president of the United States, Donald Trump. Hey, Donald. Uh, you know, hey. Hello there, Howard. We need to build a wall to keep out these Brazilians. They're like teenage <laughs> mutant ninja Mexicans, by the way. They climb everything. They're born out of the ooze. When I'm back in the office, it's like, no way, Jose. Go back to Pineapple, Mexico. And I know the shredder, by the way. He's very good. He'll track them down. He'll track them down. He's probably at Fogo de Chao. <laughs> Right now. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Ex-President, you're saying um, if you build the wall, you will keep out the Brazilians because they're particularly crafty at uh, climbing out of prison? They're very crafty. They're very strong. Did you ever play Street Fighter? <laughs> they get low. <laughs> What did you call him, a ninja ninja turtle Mexican? A teenage mutant ninja Mexican, that's right. (laughs) Okay. They're very powerful. Let me ask you, as long as I got you here, are you concerned about all this crab walking? I mean... uh, uh, There's a lot of crab walking, and we're looking into it, and the crab walk, only a dangerous criminal would do the crab walk. A normal individual (laughs) doesn't do the crab walk. It takes a lot of training. You know, you're right. You're right, because, uh, you know, I think I did the crab walk in third grade in gym class. You know what I mean? Who does crab walk? No one. They, you don't do it outside of the third grade. Only a seasoned killer would attempt that. That's right. It's a dangerous move. It's crafty. Crafty, he's got no remorse, by the way. He killed a lady. He said Kawabunga. Have do you, you heard oh. this? Do you think if you <laughs> get a, do you think if you get arrested, you could crab walk out of prison? Is that your plan? Probably we're, I can do a lot of walks. I can walk like a crab. I could walk like a lobster. I could walk like many crustaceans, by the way. A lot of people don't know this about me, but we're looking into the different ways I would walk out, but it would be very easy. I'm sure they would let me out. I have thighs like pogo sticks. Well, you're, uh, you're, uh, what, 215 pounds and six foot three. You're in good shape. I mean, you probably could crab walk out of prison. You know? I'm in fantastic shape. Have you seen how many abs I have? I have more abs than any. Anybody. I, if you look, if I took my shirt off, pack? it's just a row of abs. I was looking at, um, you know, I'm looking at these indictments. You should start practicing your crab walk now. I mean, you could very realistically go to prison. Well, he's you know what? It's all a sham. Walk. It's all a sh- I have no, I have no worry, no worry about that. Because by the way, I could punch through the wall like the Kool Aid Man and. You know what? Nobody would bat an eye. I don't think anything's going to happen with me because I'm doing a lot of things right. A lot.
I was thinking about you. Have you thought of fleeing the country to escape prison? Like, seriously, like, have you thought about like maybe, like maybe Brazil? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I wasn't thinking about fleeing. It was more of a, a vacation. We love the vacations. I love going to Mexico. I love Brazil. I love all the places to lay out and tan. I love to get golden and bronzed. Did you know I can walk like an Egyptian? And 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 uh, how's it going with your legal fees? You're paying for your legal fees by selling your mugshot, right? I'm doing a I'm doing a lot of great work. We have more revenue than anybody, right? It's through the roof, right? Our legal fees. We are raising so much money for the legal fees, more than probably anybody. I'm selling stickers of my mugshot. I'm selling little tiny prints, little refrigerator magnets. By the way, really. I got indicted for all of our sins, by the way. Did you know this? Like Jesus. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, listen. Yes, I, got... I heard that you were being indicted for uh, for us, right? Not yourself. <laughs> I did it for the people, the American people. They have sinned, and you know what? I said I'll get indicted. I'll do it for you, for my sweet people, for a sweet payment of nine ninety nine a month. I'll get indicted. <laughs> all right, listen, Mr. President. I got to go. I got a lot to get to. Uh, I'm very busy. Thank Demi you. Lovato. I'm walking into freedom. Demi Lovato is going to be. Um. Don't have time for an ex-president. I've been wrapped up in that show, uh, Yellow Jackets. I'm watching that. I'm on season oh, you're, two. You're, you finally got into it? I love it. I love it. That show. I love the show Lioness, but they ended it. They That was it. Lioness? Lioness. It's, um, oh, Lioness. Lioness. It's on... What what thing was that on? Maybe Paramount Plus. It's uh, Zoe Kravitz. Is that who it is? I don't know who it is. You don't know who it is. You don't know where it is. Yeah, I don't know. I'm out of it. it. I'm out of it. I I feel like I have COVID already because I've been running around Manhattan. Yesterday, uh, well, let's see. Friday night, I was with my wife. And then Saturday, she went into the city for a friend's birthday party. Okay. And I was alone. And I don't like that, you know. But... I was alone and like I had to feed the cats and I get all, I don't like doing any of that stuff. I like to just be free. You don't like chores. Yeah. (laughs) I don't like chores. Beth made all these notes around the house of shit I had to do because she was leaving. And I'm like, honey, she goes, are you paying attention? Do you know what you have to do? You have to feed Bella chicken at three o'clock and then you have to open up this can and and you have to change the water and and this one's can and but. I go, I th- I don't know. What are you saying? She goes, all right, I'll write it all down. So she had to write it all down. Oh, so. Oh, the show is called uh, Special Ops Lioness starring Zoe Saldana. Zoe Saldana. Oh, that's a different Zoe. Zoe. Yeah, yeah not Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Saldana. I um, she's really hot. Zoe Saldana, like insanely good looking. Like, I mean. It's crazy. Yeah. That's how hot well, she so is. Zoe Kravitz. I mean, they're all good looking. And then on that That's show. Get into the movies and yeah. TV. Yeah. It's all these good looking people always end up with the TV <laughs> and movie jobs. Like, it's a little unbelievable that Zoe Saldana is like a special ops. Like, she, you know, right. she's like, like a supermodel. And then they recruit this uh, this gal who's another supermodel to infiltrate some you know arms dealer her enemy is another supermodel yeah no no she's her, the uh, the super the other supermodels on our side oh okay 
and she ends up going lesbo with the, the when she goes underground. I don't know the name of the girl who's the lead girl who's the the Navy SEAL, but she's super tough. But she's a supermodel looking girl, and right, right. she's so hot too. And then there's lesbianism, not between Zoe Saldano and the lead girl, but the lead girl and someone else. It was very erotic. But seeing seeing Zoe Saldana as special ops is almost as unbelievable as Queen Latifah being the equalizer. Almost. Almost. But not quite. But not quite. <laughs> you know there's going to be another equalizer movie with Denzel. I'm in that. Man, I love Denzel. I'm like, but wait a minute. How's Queen Latifah the equalizer? And Denzel is the equalizer, too. No, I can, you know, I just ignore her. I love Queen Latifah. She's been on the show, but Jesus Christ. I mean, come on. But if Queen Latifah went on Ozempic and got into shape, then maybe I could believe it. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, I'm so angry at that Ozempic. I hate Ozempic. I hate that people can take a pill, not a pill, but a shot and get thin now. It's just angry. So well, much. eventually it's going to be a pill. They're yeah. working on it. I work so hard on staying thin. And it gets harder and harder the older I get. And now everyone's just taking a shot and being skinny. And it's not fair. And they're so funny when they talk about, you know how much weight I've lost? You didn't do anything. Nah. Shut up. <laughs> it's me so mad. Fred, does it make you mad? It makes me mad. You don't care. You know what? It's like uh, people are taking their lives in their own hands because they don't know what the outcome's going to be with that drug. I mean, it might you get know, them I was sicker. Talking, yeah. yeah, I was talking to a doctor this past weekend, and these aren't side effects that may be some time away. Right. Sometimes people are getting sick while they're on this medication. It could have... Make, make problems for your kidneys. It can do a lot of different things to people, but they're willing to take this thing anyway. Yeah. I didn't even like taking Zocor, but I did it because my doctor said my cholesterol is too high. Oh, uh, yeah. cholesterol. Yeah. Yeah. And they never admitted Zozempic. I, I was talking to someone who's clear they're on Ozempic and, and she said to me, I said, wow, you look awfully thin. She goes, I cut out soda. I go, yeah, all right. But this is what I'm saying. They try to pretend that they're really doing something and yeah. they won't give credit to the drug. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm angry about it. So plus, again, you know, you might get sick from malnourishment because you can't eat. <laughs> so I had kind of a wild weekend. Well, first, oh, I went to the hospital to take a test. Did you take that test? I was thinking about that, too. I said, oh, he had his prostate test, his pee test this weekend. Yeah, one of the things I found for the last couple of years, I pee so often, even in the middle of the night every minute. And uh, I just, you know, I, I have an enlarged prostate. And they say in men, as your as your prostate enlarges, it cuts off the flow of your urine. Well, there's not much room down there. You yeah. Think. So I was all bummed out. So I I made an appointment to go to the hospital and they take a sonogram. You drink water. I, I made my appointment at 6 a.m. So 5.30 in the morning, I drank a bottle of water. You hold it in. You get to the hospital. They measure how much urine is in your bladder. And then you pee. Mm -hmm. And they give you another sonogram and they see how much you got out. Right. So I didn't want to go do this because I told you I didn't like any of the options. I didn't want to go on medication for this and all. So, but 
Beth said to me, just go. You made the appointment. I was going to cancel it at 830 at night, but I didn't know who to call. I was like just bummed out because I know it's going to be bad news. And I know it's going to be horrible. And it's going to say, gee, you're barely getting any urine out. And now you got to go on a medication. I was just imagining the worst. So nobody was necessarily going to tell you that. They give you another chance to empty. No. <laughs> Before all that. I just didn't want it. So anyway. And then I told you, one of the options is you go on Cialis. Right. And I don't want my drugstore to know I'm on Cialis. They're going to think I can't get it up. And I didn't want well, that. Well, now, we had a nurse that said there are two different uh, dosages of the medication. Doesn't matter. And anybody seeing your medication would know it's not because you can't get it up. They'd assume. I, you look at me, it, it looks like matter. I can't get it up. <laughs> He's probably taking three pills yeah. you know, just to pretend. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't want anything to do with that. So what was the point of getting my my void test? It's called a void test or something like it's that. It's a pee test. Okay. You're, you're, you're avoiding. How much How much <laughs> urine you've got? It's, it's, it's pre-void and post-void. Well, actually, you're um, avoiding letting go of the urine, so... Anyway... You uh, needed a void test. So I went to the hospital... And the the nurse was really nice. Beth went with me. And they go, do you want your wife in the room with you? I go, yeah, well, I don't care. And, uh... Were you in... She was in the room when you're peeing? No, or no. just the sonogram? Just the sonogram. They send you to the bathroom. Okay. So, uh, oh, God, if I had to pee in front of those ladies, <laughs> I'd still be there. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I do it. I lay down on the table. They do the sonogram. I make my usual jokes. I go, is it twins? I'm so excited. <laughs> Honey, we're having a baby because I'm getting a sonogram. And then, and then, well, anyway, I, um, they, they measured me as she's pressing down on my bladder. I feel like I already got to go pee. And uh, I pee, and I come out, and she does the test, and she says to me, oh, this is wonderful. She goes, you were 94.7 full, and now you're 17.7 post-void, meaning, she goes, you basically got out all your urine. People have, like, a little in there. Little Everyone does. yeah. So now it turns out I'm just creating a situation. I don't have a problem getting the urine out. And so yeah. now my new instructions are, um, I have to, whenever I feel like I have to pee, I wait a half hour. And it turns out it goes away, the feeling. So I've just kind of um, trained myself to pee way too often. Right. So I was happy about that. I was so excited. And I go to Beth. We're walking out of the room and I go, honey, look at this piece of paper. 17 points. Look at it. She goes, I don't want to look at the paper. I already know the results. I go, but I was excited. You know what I mean? I go, honey, look, Yay. look at this number. I can yeah, right. Well, I was really excited that I had good news medically because at th this point, I never get good news. Woo, woo. It's always like you're falling apart. And so it's like I was so excited. She goes, I'm not going to look at the paper. So we got into this whole tiff. I go, just look at the fucking paper. Humor me. Oh, my God. Why does she have to look at the paper? Howard? I was excited. But she knows what the results were. I got she really excited. Makes sense, you I, know. I go, honey, look at this. But it was in the handwriting of the woman and everything. <laughs> I don't know. Everything, I, I guess I do everything wrong. You know? Even worry about your pee. Your pee was not a problem. Yeah, I was really happy about that. So, Beth went into the city Saturday, and I was all alone. But I, but Ross invited himself over my place for dinner. We had dinner Saturday oh, night. Yeah. Myself and Ross. That was nice. It was good to see him. Hung out with him. And then um, Sunday, I went and visited my mom. 
That was a whole saga. I don't know if you want to hear about that. I don't even know that I feel like talking about it, but she's doing okay. I brought her, I brought her a copy of, um, Dan's Papers. I'm on the cover of Dan's Papers. It's a, it's a local magazine in the Hamptons. It's, um, one of my paintings. I always give them uh, artwork for my, this is my fourth cover. So it's not your, your photograph. No, it's a painting I did. Okay. That I like doing. My paintings on the cover of a magazine. I'm honored by that. And, um, I gave that to my mother. Oh, this is very, very nice. She gets nervous whenever I bring anything because she's a, she doesn't know where to put things. She goes, where am I going to put that? I go, mom, well, we got some options. Maybe we'll put this on your coffee table. But do you think it belongs there when the, when the physical therapist comes? She might not have a place to sit. <laughs> I go, okay. Well, why don't we take the dance paper and put it on um, this surface over here by the kitchen? Oh, that might be good. I don't know. I just don't know if that's a good spot for it. I go, Mom, you do know. Would you like to see it there? I think I would. (laughs) I go, well, I think it's a good spot. You think that's a good spot for So leave it there, I guess. And then I brought her two paintings of mine to hang on the wall. Forget about Uh it. I brought them wrapped up in like bubble wrap, you know, plastic. Yes. So I unwrapped and put the bubble wrap on the floor. She couldn't even look at the painting. She's like, what's that on the floor? (laughs) I go, Mom, it's bubble wrap. I'm going to throw it out. But it's maybe you should throw it out now. I go, well, wait till I leave and I'll throw it out now because it's on the floor. So I throw out the bubble wrap. I must have missed a piece. I sit back down. I'm showing her my painting. She was very excited about it. But then she's noticed there's more bubble wrap. What's that? It's bubble wrap. I missed a piece. Well, throw it out. Unbelievable. Uh, did you hang the paintings or did no, you? No, she goes, where's Beth? I go, uh, Beth's in the city. I want Beth to decide where to hang the paintings. Oh. I said, Mom, we can figure this out. How about this spot right next to the TV? I like that, but what do you think Beth would say? <laughs> I said, I think Beth would like it. <sighs> I said, you know what, Mom? Let me stick these paintings. Now I realize maybe it was a mistake bringing the paintings. <laughs> Let me stick these paintings somewhere. Where are you going to put them? Oh, no. Yeah, I go, well, I'll put them underneath this counter here. You think that's a good spot? Okay, that's a good spot. And when Beth comes, she'll decide where to hang the paintings. I'm like, yeah, let Beth do it. Every minute with Beth. She thinks Beth knows. So. Well, Beth, you know, helps her decorate and dresses her. She she likes Beth's taste. And she started getting upset. I'm so upset. I don't want to even bring it up. I don't like to tell you my problems. Oh, boy. What was her problem this week? Well, she says she doesn't want to tell me, and then she starts telling me. (laughs) She she doesn't like the nail clippers that the person who comes and cuts her nails. You know, my mom's real, real, you know, she can't do anything for herself anymore. Right. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. I don't want to use those nail clippers anymore. With I want 
the woman who cuts my hair to cut my nails. I go, so what's and the, the woman pro- who cuts her hair cut her nails? Yeah, evidently, I guess this woman who cuts her hair does nails, too. So I said, uh, oh. well, what's wrong? So do that. She goes, I don't want to hurt the feelings of the person <laughs> who cuts my nails. I go, Mom, listen to me. Problem solved. Give me the number of the woman who cuts her nails. I guarantee your nails. I guarantee you she doesn't care. I'll call her, explain to her that you want to try something different. I don't know if you should do that. What well, was... woman's never going to see her again. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know what goes on. Anyway, I took care of it. I made a phone call. Oh, my God. You know the Dan's paper is eventually going to become an issue. I know. I know. <laughs> How it comes over and he junks up the whole apartment with his precoctic <laughs> Dan's papers. <laughs> they should. You know who I, I, I thought I saw in her apartment was that escaped prisoner. I think he's holed up there. <laughs> Let me tell you, he'll beg to go back to prison. Once That's right. He, he'll turn himself in. Yeah. And I guess my mom's like a little bit forgetful. I said, what is that? I go, Mom, that's Dan's papers. Oh, okay. <laughs> what is that? Dan's papers. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. In a couple of weeks, yeah. it'll be, why is that sitting there? Yeah. <laughs> a couple of weeks, five minutes later. <laughs> oh, getting old is horrible. So anyway, I was with my mom and then um I'm, I went from there. I went into the city and I went to my daughter's apartment and hung out with her all afternoon. How's the new apartment? You like where she's living? I love where she's living. I'm so proud of her. She got her, you know, she's newly married. They got a new apartment. And um, they're busy. I went in there. I gave some decorating tips. Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> we had fun. <laughs> I hung out with my daughter for like a couple hours. And then I said, look, I got to go take a nap. I was tired. And Beth was at a baby shower. And uh, yeah, Beth was busy. So she probably got COVID. Who knows? I didn't, you know. Oh, wait a minute. You're here. I know. You're We're gonna... fine. Did you quarantine? From her? I didn't sleep with her last night, but that was only because I went to bed early. I was exhausted uh-huh. from my long day. I'm not used to these what? long days. Did you have any meals together? Did yeah. you? What? We went yeah. out to dinner. We ate outside, right. though. We ate outside. Well, well. But I'm just saying, you've been near her. Oh, yeah. I kissed yeah. her alone. There was no, oh. yeah, that's, oh. there's no quarantine. Yeah, <laughs> there's no quarantine. <laughs> You're so right. I probably have COVID, guys, but, you know, what are you going to do? Probably I, reinfected JD when he came. Yeah, JD. <laughs> I go, hey, JD. You know, I haven't seen the guy in like four years or whatever. And he, yeah. He's like, huh. <laughs> some personality on that kid you think after all these years he'd get a little bit of personality like a little warmth a yeah. little warmth uh, yeah. hello howard it's so good to see you yeah yeah it's crazy anyway i'm in the room with fred though how you feeling you all right pal i'm doing terrific thank you for asking have you ever had covid no no fred nope. too fred hasn't had it have you? Did Other you members in the Fred? family have had it, but luckily I've uh, somehow avoided it. You might be one Not of the, you might be one of those guys who is immune from it. Well, I wore Maybe. a mask a lot, and I did the uh, you know the Purell shit a lot. So, right. 
and I try to keep away from as many people as possible. <laughs> well, that's I think a lot <laughs> of people try to me. stay away from you. Which is I easy think for it me. was mutual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> I didn't want to infect you, so it's beautiful. Well, wait a minute. Did you hug Fred? No, I just said hi to him. Yeah. Not no, hugging. there's no, no hugging. I mean, I get there either. Well, I wanted to hug Fred, but then I thought, you know what? Let's let's be sensible. I don't know if we've ever hugged in before. No, I've hugged so, you. I walk up to you and I like smack you on the back, you know, like oh, one of those bro hugs. Yeah. I don't even know if we, <laughs> if I even do, uh, like, you know, fist bumps anymore with anybody. Yeah. I was happy to see you. It was good to see you too. Man. Yeah. It really was. I mean, uh, you look great. Really? I yeah. think I look like hell. No, not at all. When you, you saw me, didn't did put you on th- any weight. No, but not did like you- a lot of people. I know some people on this show who look like they have uh, man boobs, but, uh, I'm not mentioning any names, but I've seen pictures, and uh, they don't look good. You look great. Well, don't you think I look old? No. Really? No. And if you do, it's maybe because you can see it better than I do. Plus, my eyes are bad anyway, but uh, that's not an excuse. You got the dark hair. Yeah. You're thin. Uh, No, you look terrific. Boy, I see pictures of myself, and I'm like, God. I mean, my daughter's wedding, there were a ton of pictures, and she sends me, you know, sweet pictures of me dancing with her and stuff. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. You know, I never was a handsome man, but I should have appreciated my looks when I was in my 40s, even my 50s. I mean, I look back on those old videos from our show, and I'm like, you know what? I wasn't so bad looking compared to I what know, I know, we've had now. conversations about yeah. that, and you look back and you appreciate how you look. But you never enjoyed it while you were there. Exactly. Well, you always wanted to be better looking. Yeah. I wish I was better looking. I really do. Well, your mom said you were handsome. Yeah, but she's now gone. She's so high. She doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> I got her so doped up. Stop it. <laughs> well, she's on She's on fucking morphine. She's on uh, uh, mood enhancing, uh, you know, uh, antidepressants. And well, she's still, she and she's still bummed depressed? out. She's still yeah. a little bit, like, yeah. She doesn't nod. She doesn't. She doesn't have a happy moment. She's not giggly. She's still a mess. Yeah, but you know what she would be. You know what she was like before she was on all this stuff. What I wanna die. I want. Uh, now she doesn't complain. It works. It really does work. Okay, I'm that's gonna, better than what she was. Okay. Yeah. No, she really is a lot better because it was downright defeating to go and see her it was just like oh god like i, I feel bad that she's alive because i uh, was gonna say she doesn't make drugs sound like they're fun <laughs> no she's i'm telling you it's working hey a couple of things i just wanted to discuss with you before the morning gets uh long so um priscilla presley i guess gave an interview she was the woman who was married to elvis she claims, yeah, you know, they're making the Priscilla movie now. Well, believe me, that's the interesting story. Fuck Elvis. The, the interesting story is Priscilla. Parents gave her to Elvis when she was a little girl. So Priscilla Presley claims Elvis didn't have sex with her when she was 14 years old. I got a clip. This fucking clip drives me nuts. Uh, here it is. Here's Priscilla talking about good old Elvis. Elvis would pour his heart out to me and poured his he was how old was he when she was 14? He was 24, I think, yeah. and she was 14. Nothing like pouring your heart out to a 14 year old. I mean, think <laughs> so about appropriate. that. Yes. If you're going to confide in somebody, who yeah. would you choose? Elvis would pour his heart out to me in every way in Germany. His fears, 
his hopes, the loss of his mother, which he never ever got over. And I was the person who really, really sat there to listen and to comfort him. That was really our connection. Even though I was 14, I was actually a little bit older in, in life. Yeah, my baby was very, very mature. She was 14, but she acted like she was 16. <laughs> she was you know, it's very sad when people have had this happen to them in their lives. And, you know, in, in her situation, she now has to to paint a better picture than it looks. But it winds up she doesn't realize that she should never have been put in that position, that she wasn't old enough to be in that position. And it was intrusive and invasive and and prevented her from having her full childhood. Well, listen here, Robin. I resent what you're saying. My Priscilla was 14, but she had the tits of a 19-year-old. <laughs> her tits were older. I was talking right. to her tits. She had the titties of a 19-year-old woman. <laughs> Elvis was confused. Um, yeah, I, isn't that like what those, uh, pedophile guys go, you know, the, I know he's five, but he was very, he really wanted it. He made, it was That's his right. decision. He was five, but he was, he had the maturity of a 10 year old. That's right. We were on the same wavelength. <laughs> Age doesn't mean anything. Not in numbers. And, um, that was the attraction. And yes. You know, people think, oh, it was sex. It was this. <laughs> Not at all. I never had sex with him. He was very kind, very soft, very loving. Soft. But he also respected the fact <laughs> I was only 14 years old. I respect you. We were more in mind and thought. And I always, that was our relationship. I always respected the fact that she was 14 years old and... She had her vagina had never been entered. It was as pure as the driven snow. He never had sex with her. When did he have sex with her? I waited till she was fifteen in a day. <laughs> Priscilla and I had a very innocent relationship, Robin. You don't understand. I would lay in bed and watch Howdy Doody with her, <laughs> and we would talk. Very. She seemed very wise to me because, as you remember, I have the brain of a goldfish. <laughs> you know, I ate my brother in utero. I don't know if you remember that detail. I do remember that. And I also love my mama very, very much. In fact, I used to rub the back of my mama's neck. She had a giant lump of flesh we called satin. And I'd rub that lump of flesh called satin and praise my mama. And you know, I said to Priscilla as we lay there together, you is only 14 years old. So I respect you. I respect you. that. I respect that. And I'm going to keep you in a little cage until it's legal to fuck the shit out of you. I remember when Priscilla was 14, she loved playing in mud puddles, and I respected that. <laughs> I was playing with her. And you know, the other thing I remember how mature my Priscilla was. You know, Robin, I don't know if you know this, but Priscilla got her period at nine years old. So, of course, by 14, she was a woman. I'll never forget the day I had sex with my Priscilla for the first time. I gave her a Susie talks a lot for her 15th birthday. And then we made love for the very first time. Oh. You know. <laughs> you know. There's so many holes I, in that story. Holes. She had a beautiful hole. Bed, 
even though he didn't have sex of with Of course. Her. We always slept in the same bed so we could share intimacies. You want to know something, Robin? You want to know? interview Priscilla. Don't forget Priscilla. You're with me now. Priscilla sent me right to jail. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, I remember some sweet memories. I remember the first time I fucked Priscilla. And I I remember to, I, I wiped my penis with her teddy bear because <laughs> there was no nip, napkin or tissue in my house. Believe it or not, uh, a hamburger James was in charge of buying tissues and he forgot. He forgot that week. So I had to use her teddy bear. And I remember my jizz was trapped in her teddy bear fur. <laughs> and I always was respectful. Always was respectful. We would fuck to the soothing sounds of Captain Kangaroo. <laughs> and we would role play. I would pretend to be 13 years old. So you were younger than she was. That's right. She, she took advantage of me. <laughs> I, told her from, I told her parents, I will never fuck your daughter until she takes those training wheels off her bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Robin, I have so many memories of my beautiful Priscilla. Her name is Priscilla Baloo. <laughs> I remember the first time I came on her lunchbox. She was getting ready for school, and I said, Honey, excuse me, I came on your lunchbox. You know what she said to me, Elvis? I'd be proud to take your jism with me to the cafeteria. <laughs> I was messy. We would make love. She would, after we made love, she she would make me a cake in her easy bake oven. It was only a pretend <laughs> oven. That's right. She made the cake with a light bulb. <laughs> That's how they heated it. One time, I fucked my beautiful Priscilla, and uh, something wrong. Something wrong with his microphone. What's wrong with it? Oh, there it is. It's working now. Okay. One time we made love. We, we sang the wheels on the bus while we made love with it. Wheel on the bus, go around and around, around and around. Was man say, do. Only fools walk in. Do. She would suck me dry like a juice box, that young girl. <laughs> Yeah, what is she calling sex? What did we, Elvis call sex? Well, we didn't call it any. I would just feed her my jism like baby food. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one night, Robin, you like this story. I don't mind hand. I don't mind telling you about my intimacies. I remember one night we had sex. And she fell asleep. And I, I left money under her pillow because she just <laughs> lost the tooth. <laughs> Here. Remember my song? I can't help falling in love with middle schoolers. <laughs> I remember one time I fucked my beautiful Priscilla. She was so young. And then she made me check under her bed for monsters. And I said, Priscilla, there's no monster there. It's me and you in this room. Only me, Elvis. 
I remember one time I had sex with Priscilla. I bent her over the lemonade stand we had put up <laughs> to raise money for unfortunate people. She loved that. We made lemonade and cookies. You mean people drove by and you had That's right. her over the lemonade stand? I bang, yes, I did. That's right. <laughs> I remember remember when I did my TV special or my comeback special. Oh, and remember yeah, I was limping? Leather, yeah. yeah. What happened was I tripped over one of her Legos. It was so painful. <laughs> but I was never angry or hit my Priscilla. I loved her so much. Love me tender. Love me do. <laughs> do. We built a fort with her stuffed animals and we fucked in the fort. I remember it like it was only yesterday. My Priscilla, I love her so. One day, I remember the day I had to actually give sex to my beautiful Priscilla because she felt bad. It was the same day she found out Santa wasn't real. <laughs> I like you now. Tried to cheer her up. <laughs> I like how they make movies about me now, because I'm such a wonderful man, and people go and visit my beautiful homes in Graceland. And, and meanwhile, the fact that I fucked a 14 year old doesn't seem to excuse me, 15. Swept right under the rug. Right under the rug. Right under the rug. We swept a lot of shit under that rug at Graceland. <laughs> Somebody pick up that rug and take a yeah, look. That rug is yeah. just. Covering up a bunch of shit. You might find a, 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 a dead mouse under there and maybe a <laughs> pool cue that I used to paralyze a woman's titty. Yeah. She was such a good lover. My beautiful Priscilla. She always made me keep the nightlight on when we fucked. <laughs> One time she got me real mad and we had makeup sex. After I put her in a timeout. <laughs> it was weird. Scylla had a name for my penis. It was Binky. Binky? She, yeah, Binky, she said. That's my little Binky. She didn't have a blankie. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one time I was a Priscilla. I bought 36 boxes of Girl Scout cookies from her, and then I banged her so hard her head almost split open. I didn't have much of a penis, but I got the job done. She didn't have much vagina at that age. It was perfect. It was perfect. Don't make fun <laughs> of my relationship. Our relationship was so sweet. After we would fuck, I'd help her brush her teeth before bed, and then we'd fall asleep in each other's arms. I said, Priscilla, you got to brush your teeth. An apple a day, keep a doctor away. We even had a threesome. Did I ever tell you that? No, who was the third? It was Scylla, myself, and Mr. Fluffy, her teddy bear. <laughs> One day I saw Priscilla was having trouble. She never learned how to tie her shoes. I taught her and then I bukkakied her shoe. <laughs> <laughs> she never forgot. Wasn't a day that went by we didn't make love and then make paper airplanes in the bedroom. talk about it it was so pure it was so beautiful i remember she always uh, took out her retainer before she blew me <laughs> that 
that could have been painful. Yeah. Remember Halloween? That was Priscilla's favorite holiday. Some people think Christmas. No, Halloween. Why? Because I take a trick or treating and I hide my penis in her little candy pocket. And she would <laughs> hand drop me while I was walking around Graceland and other areas. Uh-huh. Yep. You know when I met Priscilla, she sucked her thumb, and then I replaced it with my penis in order to break her other habit. You, you helped her break a habit. Yeah. I tell you, don't, habit. Much better than the thumb, you get a special treat at the end. <laughs> we we loved Halloween. we go trick-or-treating, and I, I would dress up as a pirate, and she would dress up as a little girl being molested by Elvis Presley. <laughs> I taught her everything she knew. I taught her how to write a name. I taught her how to jerk my cock. I taught her how to do everything. <laughs> and then once she had a baby, I didn't want to fuck her anymore. I don't know if you know that. It was very sad. Yeah, yeah. And that was the end of that. In so, the ghetto. Do they show that in the Priscilla movie? I yes, think. they do. They told me breaking <laughs> up with her when she had the baby. <laughs> in the ghetto. always good to her we never fucked past her bedtime i was very responsible i promised her parents i'd get her to sleep on time imagine the parents that's the movie i want to see well she says one of the quotes she says was her parents didn't understand why elvis <laughs> wanted to spend so much time with her elvis she's just a 14 year old prepubescent girl why would you want to be with her i don't know i'll be honest with you it wasn't the same once she got pubes <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Priscilla. <laughs> you mind if I return her, Daddy? She grew some hair down on that VJ. Yeah. You know what? You know what? You know I taught Priscilla the three R's. Reading, writing, and writing my penis. <laughs> but isn't it great when you see those people go to Graceland and they're like worshiping Elvis? And like right. you go, really, really, make okay. He sang, I get it, but come on, I hate Elvis. I really do. Well, you don't have to hate Elvis. Why do you hate him? Because he fucked a fourteen-year-old, or excuse me, fifteen. Who so said she was fifteen? Ever since uh, I learned that, that's, no, I, I never, I never got into Elvis. I, I was not an Elvis guy. <laughs> I don't know. I, I told you, it was the Be- I was young. I, I, you know, Elvis was lost on me. It was the Beatles. You're a year younger than yeah. me. Yeah, and I was totally in love with Elvis. Really, I didn't know anything Elvis about Elvis. Was my first crush. No. You ever been on a? Let me say, got to become Elvis. You ever, <laughs> Missy? I, I know you are a very, very big fan of mine. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yes. Did you ever take a beautiful tour of Graceland, my beautiful homes? Heck no. I don't need to go to your house. <laughs> it's a beautiful tour. To, uh, here's the room where Elvis wrote this song. Or here's the room where Elvis ate hamburger and peanut butter. This is the room yeah. where he ate out a 14-year-old's asshole for the first <laughs> time. It's very beautiful. Ronnie and Stephanie met with the Elvis impersonator. Oh, they did. The guy who's going to marry them? Yeah, I wonder what that was like. I wonder what that was like. Yeah, why are you honoring Elvis by having him marry you? Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure why. But 
Ronnie, well, Ronnie is marrying a young woman. Maybe he's a little bit like Elvis. Uh, maybe it is appropriate in Ronnie's case. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is she like 30 years younger than him? How much yeah, younger he could is... have had one of those uh, relationships. Ron, is that why you're having Elvis marry you? Because how old is Stephanie? How many years younger is she? Uh, 33. 33. Oh, <laughs> oh there you go. <laughs> yeah. What What did the Elvis guy want to know? Like, like why would you have to meet with the Elvis guy? Uh, you know, about the ceremony yeah. and what's you know, he say? Kind of, what's his deal? What do you mean? Like, 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 what did he talk to you about? What was the conversation? Just about songs and stuff like that. You know, he's going to do and you know, that kind of <laughs> shit. He's going to sing while he's marrying you. That's right. <laughs> Not while he's doing it. No. When is he going to sing? After? Like, once you get, once you say I do? Yeah. Well, no, when like she she walks down the aisle, and when we walk back up the <laughs> aisle, that kind of shit. You know? Does he have a band, or he just kind of sings the track? Track, track. And what's yeah. he going to oh, sing? As tacky as it can possibly be. Yeah, I don't no. even have a band, Ronnie. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> How many songs in total is the is Elvis doing? Uh three or four. Wow, that's a that's a heavy set list. What's yeah, the set that's list? A big commitment. I don't know. I don't want to tell. Ronnie, give it away. Uh, listen to me. Do you have any pictures of a fourteen-year-old Stephanie? I, that, <laughs> just for inspiration. <laughs> this is Stephanie when she was fourteen, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. So you got a song. Elvis is going to break into song when you and Stephanie walk. Uh, uh, Stephanie walks down by herself, right? Or her father's going to walk her in. Her father. <laughs> That's you know what I gotta go to this thing. What am I doing? This is gonna be the greatest fucking wedding ever. Stephanie's dad's gonna walk her down the aisle while Elvis is singing. Yeah. Oh, it's oh, 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 oh. fucking beautiful. I now pronounce you man and child. I mean husband and whatever. <laughs> what did the social worker say? A uh, man and caregiver. Yeah. <laughs> And Stephanie's dad is younger than you, right? So he's going to walk her down. Like, people are going to think, maybe you should be walking Stephanie down. It's going to be wild. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I'm not going to walk her down. Right. So he so he walks her down. Elvis is going to sing. And then, so, like, what else did Elvis say to you? Like, like why did he have to have any, Like, you could have discussed yeah, that over the phone. Yeah, how long was this meeting to, yeah. to name songs? Like, what well, we, went to we went to Graceland to, to meet with him. What? That. At the chap, the Graceland Chapel. Oh, so you, you, so like you had a set meeting with him. You drive over. Right. You walk in. Does the guy keep you waiting or is it, is he not? Nah, well, he was in the middle of doing a wedding when we got in there. Wow. <laughs> Did you watch the wedding or no? No, we heard it. We didn't watch it. Wow. And, and you still want to go through with having Elvis marry you. Even yeah. Though, yeah. Yeah. It sounded yeah, good. It'll be fun. Did he sound anything like Elvis? A little bit. I mean, of all the ones that I've heard, he's pretty good. You know, right? He's been in his cell. I mean, let's put it that way. Did he discuss what he's going to wear? Like, is he going to wear a jumpsuit or is he? No, gonna... he wear. He was. He was in, in full costume, dude. When I met with him, because he was doing a wedding. Does he look like Elvis a little bit? Um. Yeah, he's got the hair. He's got the ch you know the chop the chops and all that. Pork you know, chop side pork chop sideburns. Chop sideburns and yeah. He's a tall, he's a tall bitch, this dude, though. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know how tall Elvis was, but this guy's tall. <laughs> Is he wearing the TCB glasses? Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. 
Uh, Ronnie, these are my taking care of business glasses. <laughs> I hope you enjoy them. <laughs> and so you had them. So you walk in and he sits down. And does he does he know who you are from the radio at all? Oh, he's a big fan of the show. Oh, he is big time. Someone said he made a joke. He knows, he, he knows everything and everything about this show. Everything. Someone said to me today that he made a joke about getting you getting pegged or something. What was his joke? Gotta remember. Uh, <laughs> to be honest. Were you there, Ronnie? <laughs> yeah, I was there. Yeah, Ronnie, wake up, dude. What's going on? I'm awake. I'm if, awake. Don't worry. If the guy marrying you makes a peg joke, you're supposed to remember that. Yeah, well, it, it's on tape, so. <laughs> oh, we taped it all good. Ask <laughs> I'll tell you, Ronnie, I'm very excited. Does he talk to you as Elvis when he has the meeting, or is he just regular? Uh... Yeah, he, he breaks in and out of it. Oh, you know. That's creepy. So, like, Is he wearing the high-collared jumpsuit? Yeah. No, he had the one that, remember, Elvis who also wore one that was with the open collar uh, also. Very nice. Where you saw his chest hair and all that bullshit. I see. Okay. That's the one, that's the one that he was wearing. Era. See, uh, I was yeah. there. I know what's going on. Does he have a cape and everything? He has a cape. No, there was no, no cape. cape. Oh, no you know, people on that one. You know, Mr. Ronnie, I'm looking forward to meeting JD and Sal and Fred. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you don't remember anything? Like you don't like like you don't remember the conversation? Did he ask you anything personal about you and Stephanie that he might want to bring up or nothing? I don't. I don't. I don't know. I were don't you there? Everything. You sure you were yeah, there? I was there. I was there. It's all, it's all, like I said, it was all on tape. Yeah, but like I can't remember every detail. Believe me. Really, uh, you know what I think? Here's my theory. I think that you're right. so hostile to this wedding that, like, you no, didn't even not, really enjoy dude, the I'm meeting with Elvis. Hostile? I'm not hostile. You kind of are. It's just, it's just, no, it's just the whole ceremony thing. Oh, I'm well, uptight about that part of it. That's it. Well, but then why have Elvis marry you? That's like could, the worst thing you could do if you're uptight why? about it. because. Just have a solemn, like, it's going to be so, you know, it's going to be all carrying no, it's, on it's and this done, guy's right. singing. It's already done. It's yeah. done, dude. This is, this is what we decided to do. Right. Long, long time ago, we decided. Do, to do, do you it. feel like now it was a mistake having Elvis marry you? Like, in other words, no, no, no you're, you're, no. you're down for that. No. Because right. originally, originally what we were going to do was we were going to get married at the Elvis Chapel. Right. Do. At the, the Graceland joint. Um, but it's very small. It holds about 30 people. And then I said to Stephanie, you know, it was just going to be like immediate family and a couple of friends and that's it. <laughs> and, and then I said to her, I said, you know what? All these people are coming from out of town. It's not fair that you're going to tell them they can't come to the ceremony. Right. So now we changed, we changed it a long time ago and, uh, we're going to, we're going to do it. We're, we're doing it. We're going to do it in the Graceland room, which has more, accommodates more people. No, no, no. We're doing everything's going to be where we're, oh. you know, doing the whole thing. All right. And, and, uh, so this way everybody could be there to laugh. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. They're going to be laughing, dude. Well, if you make Elvis the guy who's married, yeah, it's a joke. That's it. There's not, it's not changing, Robin. <laughs> no, okay? I'm just saying you're inviting <laughs> laughter. You know, I mean, that's okay. I'm, I want solemn. it to be fun. I All don't right. want. I don't want it to be traditional, okay? Why are you uh, uh, so? Why are you not traditional? Why are you adamant <laughs> about uh, not having a first dance? What's up with that? Like, why won't you have a dance with your bride? What's no, up we're with doing you? that. Oh, no, I heard you're not it. having a first dance. Yes, we are. I heard the tape. 
I heard you saying, I'm not doing that. If people want to get up and dance, but I don't want to be dancing alone up there by myself. With, with Do. Wait, uh, listen. We got, we're, we're doing it, okay? You are. You changed your mind. No, I, I never said I wasn't going to do it. I just said I wasn't crazy about it. I said I tr we were trying to do as least traditional as possible. Would you do, do me one favor? Go ahead. I know it's. I know you. I've I've been around you for like forever. Yeah. And 30, when you 30 get something, and yes, when yeah. you get uncomfortable, you start acting silly. And like when you have the first dance with Stephanie, try to just be romantic about it. No, like, I will be. You know what I mean? Will. Don't start like spinning around that goofy dance you do. You no, know what I mean? No, 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 no. I'm so, I'm just giving you advice because right. it's like it's like an important thing to a girl. The first I know. Dance. Be oh, believe me, dude. I know. <laughs> At my daughter's <laughs> wedding, you man. You don't know the shit that's going on here, man. It's, Dude. It's insane. My daughter's wedding, her and her husband took dance lessons. He had, yeah, well, he I'm was, not doing it looked like dancing with the stars. He was flipping her around. He, he, he even did a lift. He lifted her off the They're ground. They're ready for Broadway. That's how yeah, well, I'm not, they I'm were. not doing it. I'm not <laughs> suggesting that, but I'm saying it was really important to my daughter that they have a okay, really cool. So what I'm that's saying to a girl, I know this because I just I went know. through it. Believe me, I know. Don't fuck it up. It's all I hear about. <laughs> what? What do you hear? No, I mean how important it is. It oh. is everything. Please, and try not to finger Stephanie at the wedding. You know how you get yeah, sexual. Okay, stop it. You know Don't what I'm grab her okay. ass. You yeah. know, be romantic. Don't stick your yes, thumb up her you. ass. Well, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> all your great, adv great advice, everybody. Uh, hey, thank I always you. give you good advice. Don't I smash know. the cake in her face. Don't try to be a comedian. Right. Someone's looking for comedy there. Oh, there'd be enough comedy, believe me, right. I'm sure. Doesn't have to be yeah, for me. Yeah, you be romantic. Ronnie doesn't remember the meeting with the Elvis in person. I know. Uh, if I, I remember it. Elvis, yeah, I remember it, believe me. All right. <laughs> but he doesn't remember what was said. I don't remember every word. <laughs> Are you going to get all you do did pick out songs? He didn't have to say. Yes, we did. Else? We picked out songs. I don't want to tell you what they are. OK, okay but uh, I didn't ask what they were, but there was nothing else said. Dude, what, what's the ba the basic things? Uh, the songs that you want walking down, Dude. walking out. Um, How long was the meeting? Well, yeah, but he was in between weddings, so it wasn't that long. Um <laughs> Wow. I don't know, about 20 minutes. This guy must guy, be good. Guy, He's really busy. Did, dude, this guy did like, dude. I think, I forget what it was, it was, some crazy number of weddings he does a year. It's insane. Let me ask you something. How did that become a thing that Elvis marries people? In other words, like, people don't have, like, John F. Kennedy marrying them, like, with a replica of the White House. They don't have, I don't I'm, know. I'm thinking about it's all the such it's why a big is it deal thing? in Vegas. It's yeah. a big deal in Vegas. That's what it is. So why Elvis? Did, I mean, Elvis did was Elvis not. Did Elvis ever marry anybody? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's weird. I don't know. It's like like no it became idea. a thing that Elvis will marry. Like, I, it's so random. Like, I'd rather be married by the Beatles impersonators, like a John oh, Lennon impersonator, or or maybe well, even like even the Dave Clark Five. I'd rather be married by than Elvis. <laughs> You know what? Herman's Hermit. I like Elvis. Okay. Hey, you know who's marrying me, Robin? Herman from Herman's Hermit. Uh, not the you actual guy. You don't, like him. you don't like him, but I do. Yeah, you, you don't love him. You don't love Elvis. Do. No, I like it. I think it's cool. You know. But why? But but we. Why not like Joni Mitchell impersonator marry her? You know I what I mean? Know. There's ask so many more admirable rock stars. Me. 
Or you love, you know, Neil Diamond. Why isn't he marrying you? Yeah. Uh, well, I understand I that. I don't want Neil Diamond marrying me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather have like a peewee impersonator, quite frankly. <laughs> oh, here's Gary and John Blit in person in studio. What's up, boys? I think oh. I might have the answer. How you doing? I Go think ahead. I have the so I was just reading an article. In 1947, some guy opened a chapel in Las Vegas to do weddings. And in 1967, Elvis visited the chapel. Okay. This so was then, the chapel. This is the place. So then when Elvis <clears throat> died, the guy renamed it the Graceland Chapel, and then it just became <clears throat> this a thing. Is the place. Yeah, but, but now I'm saying, why do people want to be married by Elvis? In other words, don't people want to be married by... I'd rather be married by a Bozo the Clown impersonator. You, Howard, you have no idea, like, the love and respect. Like, if Sal got single tomorrow and he got married again, there's 100% would be married by an Elvis impersonator. No but doubt. why isn't it a thing to be married by the Beatles or the Rolling Stones? I don't know. You know what or I mean? Like what? Frank Sinatra. He was right. revered. Okay, there, there's a guy. like marrying people? Like, why, yeah, why not, like, Frank's, like, Frank Sinatra impersonator? But Elvis is the guy who marries people to the point that this dude that's marrying Ronnie is busy. He's, he's booked up. He, he has 20 minutes only to meet with he's, Ronnie. Dude, this guy's booked up for years already. I wow. want to spend the day with this guy. I want to spend the day with him. He was telling some crazy stories. He's like, you know, sometimes uh, a lot of mail order brides come in to get married. And he's like, yeah, a lot of them. He said. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> you know, one time this couple came in. I married them. They said they were going uh, on a helicopter ride. And I told them about a couple who had died the other day on on a helicopter of the Grand Canyon. <laughs> this guy and asking Ronnie if he's going to get pegged at the end of the wedding. He was like character. Was, was the dude talking like Elvis? Oh, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank he's, you. He's playing guitar all the time. Like, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. During pretty, the meeting? During the meeting. Hey, yeah. yeah. Wait, yeah. He was pretty good, though, actually. He right? was over the top. Awesome guy. Ronnie asked him, I was like, how old are you? Stephanie was like, why would you ask him how old he was? And then Ronnie was humble bragging about how old Stephanie was. And they got into a conversation about that. It was a great thing to watch. And yeah. I can't wait for the wedding. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. a big build up. All right. Well, anyway. He also, Ronnie complained about how much he's spending on the wedding to the Elvis. <laughs> and the Elvis was really? like, yeah, I was like, this could oh, sound dude, like we're so over. Fuck it. We're so over. Don't over tell me your problems. I died on the toilet. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah, we don't give a shit. <laughs> Ronnie's also worried about how he's going to read his vows. He shared that with the Elvis. He's like, Stephanie was like, you better fucking write your vows down. And Stephanie's like, I bought, Stephanie bought Ronnie a nice notepad to read the you vows You know what's on. crazy? The <laughs> fact that, see the fact, I'm going to say this to Ronnie. He needs help. The fact that she had to go buy him a notepad. Yeah. It's like, it, come on. It's a little ridiculous. Like, no, no, she didn't buy me a notepad. She bought me the, the she bought these little books. Yeah. And I said to her, if I said, if I said I'm going to write in there, the vows, I said, how the fuck am I going to see it? It's going to be so small. Go right big. You know? I and mean, one letter that, per page. Yeah. I don't know. And, you know, like, I, take, I can I picture Ronnie. I take my Ronnie. glasses off to fucking read like some old fucking dude in a fucking, and wait till you know, Ronnie, in, a, in a wheelchair. Where wait till Ronnie dude. reads like it's going to be like this half-ass. He's going to be like. I really love you. I don't, you know, like, cause he's all embarrassed to be lovey in front of, uh, the, the guys. Mm -hmm. I, just read it with heart, man. Okay. Don't, don't fucking start in with your, like, you, I know the voice you put on the way you read. Say it out loud. Yeah. Be like, <laughs> yeah, I'll take that device from you, Robin. Yeah. <laughs> you've, been through, you've been through it so many times. <laughs> I don't want to go through it, but you want to go through it. You need to be heard. Yeah. Is this I thing don't on? need to be heard. Right, here's the Ronnie all puppet. People. Is this thing on? Yeah, go I, already, I already wrote my little book here today. <clears throat> Let's marry today and cherish each other. Let me rub you till you squirt. 
<laughs> in front of your mother. <laughs> I'll love you year-round, fall, spring, and summer. Now get on your knees in front of this wedding crowd and give me a hubba. <laughs> did you um? Did you have the Elvis shirt he's wearing? Did you have fucking shirt? Ronnie, pay attention. Did you have the Elvis impersonator? My Vegas shirt. Did you have the Elvis impersonator? F yet. You know I want to move on. I, it's enough with Ronnie and Elvis. I can't even believe. I, you know what? Honestly, I'd rather be married by like a Three Stooges impersonator. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like Mo Larry sure. and Curly married. Like Elvis. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Yeah, or like Houdini. A Houdini impersonator would be like, good. I, I'm hiring a guy to dress up like someone to marry me. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. It's like, what is it, fucking Halloween? Yeah. Well, and, it is near Halloween, yeah. And who, and, and like, out of all the people I admire, like, like I admire the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. I, I admire Dr. John Sarno. I'd rather have a Dr. John Sarno impersonator marry me. Well, then you do what you want to do. <laughs> I mean, what, why Elvis? Do. It's Vegas. Because that's who kitschy. we picked. That's why. Why does that bother you so much? I mean, the guy. Did I tell you to, did I tell you to fucking to marry Elvis? you when you got guys married? were the 14-year-old huh? and you're worship. I'd rather have a Prince impersonator, honestly. Do. Oh, he's a pedophile. Who's marrying you? You're being married yeah, by a, a pedophile. pedophile. Yeah. Did that guy look like a pedophile to you? No, him? not no. him. The guy it's he's impersonating. Is yeah, a... whatever. Wow. Yeah, whatever. That's Wait, like having take son, your, son take of Sam. sweater and get the fuck <laughs> yeah. out of here. I have, have, a, have, I have Jared from Subway to marry me. <laughs> uh, yeah, good. Right. But he's in prison. I have a Jared from Subway impersonator. Ronnie should have five pedophiles, famous pedophiles, <laughs> marry him. What <laughs> is wrong with you? I think I'm going to dress up as Jared from Subway for the wedding. His band Somebody is all pedophiles. That's Epstein. what he should do. <laughs> yeah. It's a Jeffrey Epstein impersonator, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Hitler. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. There's Thank a you. blit, everybody, live in studio. He's going to Ronnie's wedding. Ronnie, Ronald yes. J. Oh, he's, he wouldn't miss it for the world. Yeah. Oh, man. What else? Oh, I should probably. Oh, gosh. Demi Lovato is coming in nine, so I gotta figure out my morning here for a second. I gotta. I see Tan Mom's on the phone. She's running for Senate. I have a whole bunch of tape of that. Senate from you mean like the U.S. United Senate? States Senate? Yeah, it's wow. so silly because you can't understand a word she's saying. <laughs> and then, but uh, there are a lot of senators you can't understand these days, from what I understand. And I got a great phony phone call. That I wanted to play for you. And the fans wrote in. I got a lot to do here. Um, do I want to play you Tan Mom right now? Or maybe I should take a breather. Hmm. Well. What the fuck? I'll, I'll do Tan Mom here. I know you're curious. I can see that look. Well, you know, we have to keep up with her. She has a life that's constantly in an uproar, and we have to calm her down and, and help, her, help her see straight. Let me take one phone call, then I'll tell you, I'll give you an update on Tan Mom running for Senate. Maybe I could squeeze in uh, a couple of fan mail things, maybe a phony phone call. Demi Lovato's here. Mike, go ahead. Mike from Maine. Hey, Howard. Hey. Hey, now. Hey, so uh, you've talked about this before, but... um. I, my birthday was the other day, and my wife got me a massage, which was a really nice gift. And, uh, you know, I'm talking about leaving, you know, how much of a tip should I give her and this and that. And then I went, wait, it's a woman, right? She goes, I don't know. They didn't ask. And sure enough, I showed up, 
and a man massaged me for the first time <laughs> in my life. Uh, Some birthday. Nice guy named Rich. He was a guy, it was, and I tried to be real cool about it because I tried to be, you know, I'm an open, cool guy, but uh, it was uncomfortable. So I want to tell you why it's not homophobic if you want to talk about that. That's a man, baby. What's he saying, Robin? He's saying uh, it was good a or bad? A man massaged him. He I was like uncomfortable, it. but he's not homophobic. He was good Did up you on my shoulders. <laughs> why, if you were if you were uncomfortable with it, why would you go through with it? It's a it's a relax. It's supposed to be relaxing. Because it was paid for. We're not. You know, my wife spent the money for the gift. I couldn't just be like. I couldn't just throw the money down the down the drain. And also, like I said, I'm not. It's not like I care that he's a guy, but I do realize. I don't like being intimate with men. Um, well, I'm, at, I'm at therapy right this minute, and I was just telling her how I'm here with you. I'm not here with a man. I'm here with a woman because I don't feel comfortable to being open and vulnerable with a man. And Howard, have you ever given one of your best friends a massage with oil? Because no, I never have. All right, I got to go, Mike. You give me a headache. Good for you. Happy birthday. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck you're talking about. I don't want a massage from a guy. It's not. I'm not homophobic. I believe in... Uh, everyone is, has a right to their own sexuality. You guys know my positions. I'm, I'm very, very much. But you would deny a male masseuse's jobs. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I would. I don't want my wife being massaged by a man. <laughs> Listen, my buddy was a masseuse, a male masseuse. Nice looking guy, too. One guy. And uh, who knows who, where you get your pool of he, friends. He said to me, <laughs> there isn't a woman I've massaged that I didn't end up knuckle deep in her asshole. Get out of here. I, I said, there had to be someone who didn't want it. He goes, nope. Every one of these housewives. That I Why massaged. did he do it? Oh, he 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 was into it. Yeah. Why did he do it? Because he's a dude. Uh, uh, yeah. What about his professionalism? That's he's what not I said. Be turning it into a, a sexual thing. And like, uh, I mean, the, unfortunately, he's in prison now. But uh, you know, <laughs> no, no. But um, but seriously, no, it was a consensual thing. But and I'm and Richard it Christie consensual. But he didn't have to go there in the first place. Did the women say, please put your knuckle up there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Up into your, uh, yeah. up to your knuckle, please. They, they were like, yeah, do you, do you think? <laughs> Richard Christie was massaged by a dude and he, and the guy stuck his hand in Richard's ass cheeks right away. And knuckle deep too. <laughs> Richard, am I wrong? Are you, where are you? It's true. I don't know where you all are going. Listen, my wife. You know, you know, there's a sexual element to massage. I don't mean that every massage ends up as... I've had many massages. I've never had sex with any masseuse. But just being naked, like and like what uh, Mike was saying is, you know, when you're naked, you're kind of vulnerable. And I prefer a woman in that situation. I don't want a guy handling me. What happened to you? A guy stuck his finger in your ass? Uh, he stuck his hand in my ass cheeks, yeah, and was kind of massaging the rectum the, the bunghole area. There? Yeah, oh it was like, like he was karate chopping my bunghole, but going back and forth. And wow. I just, I didn't know what to do. I just let him do it. He wasn't, I don't think it was a sexual thing. It, no, I think he was loosening yes. up my cheeks. Are you or nuts? Something. Putting his, his karate so chop bad. in your asshole? <laughs> that's not a hand rest. I mean, he's supposed to be working. I mean, these, that's completely inappropriate. And you know what? The funny thing is, I, I went back to the guy again. Because uh, it was a it was a place and it was cheap and and they wouldn't sometimes it'd be a woman sometimes it'd be a guy and I was just like whatever. It's be honest, cheap. did you get hard when this guy was in your I asshole? Didn't. No, no, it was weird. <laughs> he Let was an me old ask guy you too. 
<laughs> yeah. Did the, the second time, was it with a guy too? Yeah. No, I got the same, same guy? guy a few times. Yeah. And he karate chopped you again? Yeah. That was his thing. <laughs> I like, what do you do? Do you clench up or do you like, like loosen up your cheeks? And... I jumped. No, yeah. I, it would, it surprised me. So I'd jump a little bit and yeah. then he'd only move. you, like, where do you go for fucking massage? It was Meanwhile, a cheap place in Queens. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking? That guy karate chopped your asshole, and his hand must have smelt to oh. high heaven. Oh, yeah. God. I probably had just shit, too. <laughs> did, you, did he rub it, you all over with that same hand? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You should have yeah. shit on his hand. <laughs> I probably <laughs> That's did. That's what I would have done. I probably I did. <laughs> Joke's on him. <laughs> Joke's on you, asshole. Nice. <laughs> Uh, good to see you again, Howard. Good it's seeing been a you, while. buddy. All yeah. right. Yeah. All right, I get and out then, of here. I'm sick of you. And okay. then the third time I went to him, uh, I had my cock in his mouth. And, <laughs> <laughs> but and he didn't sex, know what to do. If the guy had, had climbed no. up on the table mm. and put his dick in your ass, would you yeah. still just lay there? No. Part of the yeah. I might have left then, Robin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stirred my intestines with his penis. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. Thank you. I'd probably put my hand in a pool of vomit than put my hand in Richard asshole. <laughs> Stinky asshole. Yes, Caesar, you're on the air in West that was Virginia. A favor, giving him a massage with his ass hand. Hey, Caesar. Hey, is that, am I on? Am I, Howard, I am. This is a uh, first time. All right, hurry uh, up, Caesar. Walk. I've got so much to get to. I, I'm sorry. Sorry, you're good. You're good. So I am a PhD student, and I wanted to do my my thesis on how you're a rock and roll historian. Um, what do you think? You want to do your PhD on me? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. some PhD. What school, what college do you go to? Uh, it's a state university in Virginia. Must be the worst school ever if you think you're going to get a PhD doing a PhD about me. No, well, don't they have to, they have to submit their, their choices and then they could get rejected. Well, Robin, I'm going to do this guy a favor. Yeah. No, you're not allowed to do your PhD on me. <laughs> Don't waste your time. Yeah, you ain't gonna you ain't gonna be a doctor anytime soon. You do your PhD. Well, it's uh, it's well, so I'm doing it in history, um, and it would be on on like the history of broadcast, basically, and how you you've influenced broadcast in America. No, no PhD on no. me. <laughs> you don't have permission. All right, well, 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 thank you anyways. I've been listening right. to you since I was born in '97. So I love you guys. Thanks. What a waste of an education. It's gonna do a PhD on me. Speaking well, of PhDs, I don't think it would be a waste of education if he did it in a serious manner. Speaking of PhDs, <laughs> one of my uh, one of my daughters just got hers, and I'm very proud. Oh. My my doctor, my daughter, the doctor, and uh, Doctor Stern. No, right. <laughs> Finally, calling Doctor Mo, the family, <laughs> calling Doctor Larry, Doctor Stern. <laughs> Anyway, I was very, very uh, excited about that. Also, I don't want the day to go by because I know Demi's going to be here in, in, in a half hour. I want to go the uh, uh, the day to go by, just not to uh, mention, of course, it is nine eleven and the anniversary. Uh, yeah. And if you go back all those years ago, I'll play you this one clip. And this is what went on our show. I was talking to Robin, and I was on the phone with Ralph of all people, 
turns out, surprise, surprise, Ralph wasn't at work or anything because God knows what he does. And yeah, he was home that day, believe it or not. Yeah, believe it or not. And he was able to <laughs> uh, report to us. But uh, here's what happened. I don't mean to interrupt the fun, but uh, <laughs> this is a breaking news story, a serious news story. What? A plane has crashed, uh, called it, into the World Trade Center. You're kidding! The World Trade Center is on fire, <gasps> which is the... What the, is going on? Really? The Let me look out my window. You can see wow. it or you can... Uh, I don't see any fire. There's a fire at the World Trade it's Center. It's on the Hold other on, side, Ralph, from you. Take a look, seriously. Do you see it? Dude, it, it's just hot. Oh, my God. i got to go out on my roof. This is incredible. <laughs> see you. The whole thing is on fire. Yeah. You're right. Uh, I mean, not a little fire. No, it's huge. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. yeah. If a plane right. hits a building. i gotta, I got I to gotta run. How did it take so long to happen? I'll call you back. Right, did, but did, I know. Did, did, I'm always amazed. Because, you know, a plane once crashed in, in the 40s. A plane crashed right into the Empire State Building. Like, right. right in. Right. I don't have any more details. I'm following this story. I hope this wasn't one of those, like, terrorist kamikaze attacks. Well, Ralph was so traumatized that day, he never worked another day in his life. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> He's still uh, getting treatment for the trauma of 9-11, yes. And, you know, on a somber note, I would still like to thank first responders who, to this day, continue to have health problems as a result of going down there. And uh, I was listening to a firefighter this morning... Who talked about how, you know, he sent a bunch of different people into the World Trade Centers to rescue and and uh, evacuate the building, including his brother. And his brother never made it out. What a horror. And I remember being on the air for that. And it was awful. And uh, the anger that we were all experiencing uh, to this day still hasn't gone away. It was the fucking nightmare attack. That those creeps got away with, I couldn't believe it. That well, no, they all died um, in the attack. Well, but and then the security, Osama bin Laden was killed. The security was so lax. But all right, look, it's the worst. So we don't want it, the day to go by without remembering that. And I'm sure a senatorial candidate who uh, running for Senate in Florida, a Tan Mom, wants to make a statement. Really? Of course, Tan Mom. Uh, it's real. You're running for Senate, right? Good morning, guys. How are you today? Good morning, a future senator. <laughs> no, um, I just, I really want to be serious about this. Um, Thank the you. reason why, no, I just, you, you know, you brought it up running for senator. Um, it all hit at one particular moment. Um, it was because I was so sick for the last two months. I was in the hospital, literally. And um, the medical health care system, is outrageous and with my husband dying of cancer and they kept calling me that night do you want to put him to sleep you know do you want um you know to pull the plug i should say um it just everything well tam mom let me uh, do this for you before you talk yourself into a coma let me uh let um, I, first of all i'll give you the history of this because i have some tape oh you do yeah of course, I had asked for a statement on 9-11, but Tam Mom wanted to get right to it. And uh, who can blame her? She has a lot to say. But this is big news. Uh, Tam Mom has announced she's running for U.S. Senate in Florida. Uh, uh, on the one hand, she's always been very political. When Chris Wilding, when we were in Miami, Chris interviewed her about a lot of po political things, and she had a lot to say. I want to remind you of that. We don't have a president okay. at all. So you're not a Joe Biden fan? No, if he passed away the second, I'd say I have a double blooded Mary. So there you go. Were you a Trump fan? 
yes, I want Trump back into presidency. I think he can overpower this world again. I think he can. Now, there is no other option. What are we going to have? That that chick? What chick? I don't know her name. She's um, a colored lady um, that talks too much. Gotcha. Let's hmm. give it a break already. Let's back off <laughs> and stop good. the nonsense. And everybody, just shut the fuck up. Oh, God. Now, Tim, um, uh, at this point, you're you're much darker than Vice President Harris. Uh, yeah, you're a colored lady at this point. Yeah, I mean, who who are you calling a colored lady? I mean, there's nobody more colored than you. Um, anyway, Tam Mom's campaign announcement made national news. It was covered by everyone. Entertainment Weekly, really? Fox News, New York Post, New York Daily News, Yahoo, Huffington Post, you name it. Even TMZ Live had her on as a special guest. Everyone saw wow. it. Wow. Uh, the question was to Tan Mom right on live television. They asked her what motivated her to run. And, uh, and again, being she's a spectacular candidate. Here she is on TV. So, Patricia, why don't you start by telling us what motivated you to run for United States Senate in Florida? I was horrified about the book banning of fear in Florida. There's just a lot of episodes um, that are going on here and nobody's addressing them. Um, Medicaid, um, just being um, abominably banished and um, for the elderly especially. Um, And that's one of the uh, three reasons I started doing this. Tim, what an interview. That's one of the three reasons I started doing this. Tim, how did you think the interview went? Terribly. Um, I mean, again, I have to, I want to cut to the chase, okay, is that I, I just want to make a statement about health, the healthcare system. All right, I'm um, getting to that. Let but, me, let me the, play the rest of your clips. People are excited about your candidacy. Uh, we interviewed, we also interviewed Tamam the second we learned. I know, but I didn't know when Mehmet Mehmet tried to get her stance on some spe- some issues specific to Florida. I knew you were going to bring okay. this up. Yeah, but well, that's I good. Didn't this know is the answers. Well, let me I'm... let me play it, and then we'll let you respond. Hold on. Florida, I know, has a big Latino and Cuban population. What would your message be to the Latino community of Florida? I don't have one for that them yet. Your message to the Latino community is that you do not have a message for them yet. Right. How will you protect the future of an effective Medicare program? I I don't know. I don't know right now. And what about climate change, all the coastal regions in Florida? How will you protect them? Can't answer that right now. What about gun control? Oh, I'm completely against gun control. I'm I'm for gun control. Wait a minute. Is yeah. she for it or against it? Well, she, you can't have it both ways. Sure you can. That's how you win. <laughs> that everyone's for her because they feel she's on their side. We think this campaign might be tied in with Tam Mom's record producer, Adam Barda. Okay. Because he's been trying to promote a new reality show he created about Tam Mom called Tan to Ten. And the show was released on Amazon Prime in July. And as of uh, September 5th, it has zero reviews on the site. No one has. It was released in July. Yeah, I'm not sure anyone has seen it yet. It's out there though, and uh, but we forced JD to watch it. Poor JD, he watched all seven half hour episodes. Wow. And 
And um, <laughs> JD says the show is he was not uh, he didn't like the production values, honestly. Oh. And uh, JD also was concerned that Tan Mom was getting crowbarred in with a lot of Adam Barda's friends. <laughs> you know, Tan Mom is the big star, and we right. yeah. So anyway. Uh, a few things can't be fake, though, like uh, the tan mom was um, it, it seemed like she was a little bit out of it on the show. So here's a clip from her new TV show. Listen, guys, I wanted to invite us all here and kind of talk about what happened yesterday at the tanning salon. Don't you kind of think you don't talk until you know what you're talking about? You know, Patricia, when I agreed to do this with you, like you already look like you're checking out. Like I I wanted to make this transformation for you, but you promised me you wouldn't go tanning. And Greg, like I brought you on as a producer and I appreciate you. But why are you? tanning you're incentivizing her uh, you know what i have no idea but no listen i want to know that you are in this to win it you're like that you want this makeover and that you're gonna take this seriously because i feel like you didn't at the tanning salon shouldn't he be standing on the other side of the hill are you why did you go tanning i don't know i went tanning and old that Deb, oh my God. old habits die hard. Do, do you agree that like we're, we're on the same page now, right? Are we on the same page? Yes. Okay. I'm in this. Adam, do you swear on me, Mom. Yes. Hey, Mom, this could hurt your candidacy. I know. I just, um, I was well, no. very... Well, Patricia, it's not going to hurt. Patricia, Who's this? Adam. <laughs> Who well, Adam, what are you doing on here? I'm on the phone. I didn't know if I should talk or not, but I was letting Patricia talk. She basically, the reason why this whole campaign came about was because she was so enamored and happy. Well, why can't I talk to Tan, Mom? I didn't know you were on the phone. <laughs> That's what he does. Yeah. <laughs> JD, what's going on here? This show, I mean, it is, it is god awful. I don't know what the hell is going on with this thing. Oh, it's, come on. It's badly edited. These people are oh, crowbarred in. No, <laughs> I'm sorry, Adam, but it is what it is. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, they, he tries to force these like dra dramatic things, like the, like the, the thing with Greg, this, this boyfriend that she supposedly has, but he's actually gay. It's a whole fight. It's just a whole fucking mess. It's a mess. It's it's yes. campy. It's a campy reality show. It's funny and silly, JD. It's yeah, but, 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 but should Tan Mom, right. Tan Mom is now running for Senate. Do you think she should be involved in something silly that has zero reviews on Amazon Prime? <laughs> Well, she, she raised a lot of money for charity with it. So that's what we're really running on. She raised so much money for the LGBT community doing right. the Sunshine Cathedral. So. Okay, Mom, let me make your statement now. I know you want to make a statement. Okay. I, I just want to say that I really just care. And I just wanted to make a few statements. In the beginning, I didn't know a lot. I'm trying. I'm working on a couple of things. I don't plan on winning, to be quite frank with you. I, <laughs> oh, geez, that was that know. attitude. Yeah, no, I just... I, I, well, I'll vote I, for you for so sure if you don't plan on winning. But maybe a lot of people listen to me. And um, I, I just... There's a few things that I, I really, really care about in this world. Can you tell us what you most care about? Because i got to move on. I'm going to be interviewing Demi Lovato, who, uh, <laughs> you know... She... Who is that? <laughs> I mean, oh who is that? God. She's got 145 million uh, followers. How dare you? Cool for the summer? Yeah. Oh, oh. Demi Lovato, who is that? 157 million. Right. I don't know. I've got five kids. I really run around a lot. I don't really watch all these people. She's running a campaign. <laughs> you, never heard of, uh, you never heard of Skyscraper? You can take Yep. 
<laughs> you don't know that song? No. Oh, all right. You really are out of it. What do you hum when you're walking around the house? <laughs> all right. Listen, Tam, Mom. God bless. I'm excited for your run for Senate. I think as the weeks go by. I've heard no issues. <laughs> her issue is Medicaid because her husband had a hard time when he was dying. I see. And she's for gun control and against it. So those are her two big issues. <laughs> and I like that. I like that stance. I like people getting Medicaid. For and against it, yes. And I'm for and against it, too. So <laughs> I'm pretty much in line with her. Okay, there you go. Yeah, you got my vote. <laughs> What about the death what, penalty? What about book banning? What, what are you for that or against it? I you for tell. book banning or against it? Um, I'm against it. Oh, okay. All right. So you disagree with Governor DeSantis? Yes. Oh, and yet you're running as a Republican. Yes. Would you? What be... about you and Disney? You know are what you people okay call me? They call me. Uh, they call me a liberal, liberal, compa compassionate liberal. conservative, liberal conservative um a liberal conservative I like she's that. a liberal conservative a and for and against gun control what about ukraine are you should we should we attack ukraine the united states i i believe we should pull the troops out and what troops? I, I do you think we should pull the troops out? i'm thinking about an all-on attack on ukraine let's join russia and attack those guys what do you think of that i don't i i I'm sick of all the wars. Um, nice. No, well, I am. Um, well, Would you be our very first senator with a metal plate in our head? I don't believe there has ever been one in history. <laughs> and fell down a well. And, and, fell, yeah. and fell down a well. True, right. I think yes. she's, she's got that all, that whole corner is hers. Yes. I mean. Okay. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. It's a, there's a oh, knock no. on the door. Let me open this. Oh, God. Uh, it's Senator Mitch McConnell, who you would be serving in the Senate with as a Republican. Senator McConnell, do you support yeah. Tan Mom? Well, uh, I have to tell you that uh, uh, being a senator is a very serious thing. You know, this woman, uh, she says she fell down a well. I think she has a plate in her head. I mean, it's totally on a. It's totally. Uh, it's totally. Still running around and getting blowjobs on the side is, is not. Did you hear the question, Senator? Did you repeat the question, please? Uh, I said running around so and getting blowjobs on the side, lying, lying to the world about right. how much money. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, you have a blowjob? All right. No, thank you, guys. I'm going to shit my pants. All right. I'm sorry, y'all. Wait a minute. Nice. <sighs> <laughs> All right, Tamam, I got to go because I'm going to be interviewing Demi Lovato, who has an incredible life story. She's accomplished a lot, much like you. And, and so you okay, need well, to hit the campaign trail. Will you be campaigning? Where can we see you and where can we press your flesh? So, Where can we press your tanned flesh? Well, I'll let them know um, starting next week. Um, and uh, it's going to be very successful. And like I said, I don't plan on winning. I'm just trying to make a few statements. Um, Tan Mom, I'm confused. There's a woman on the phone who says she is Tan Mom and you're a fake. Hold on. Who is this? Hi, how are you? It's Tan Mom, Patricia Marie. <laughs> oh, that's really stupid. <laughs> well, quite frankly, you're really stupid. Oh, I'm confused. Oh, my God. 
I, I don't know who the real tan mom is. Is, is the other tan mom running yeah. for Senate? Are you running for Senate as well? I'm running for president of Florida. <laughs> and I don't know who this bitch is. You're running for president of Florida? Yeah. All right. All right. Well, uh, I'll, I can't sort this right now. But tan mom. I'm the real tan mom. And that is like beyond a compact. Uh, Oh, this is like terrible. Consulting. You know, I did not come on the air today. Let me leave on this note to be ridiculed, right? Um, at all. And um, well, you made a big I mistake, know. then. I know. <laughs> I know. Tam, mom, okay. let me say something serious. I believe all of us should participate in the American system, and the fact that you have stepped up to run for Senate, I'm very proud of you. And Thanks, plan Alex. not to win. Yeah. I think is very right. good. I love your plan. <laughs> if you were planning on winning, I guess, I guess if you were planning on winning, clear. I wouldn't have you on the air. But the fact that you're planning not to win, <laughs> I'm going to give you a tip, though. Do not tell the voters you don't plan on winning. It could be a disaster. I just really, really want to make a statement. And, uh, quickly, uh, I usually do. Oh, you made the statement, right? Yes. Oh, okay. All right. I'm going to have you back on so you can do some more campaigning, all right, when I have more time to groove. Okay. I right. will enjoy your interview. And have a wonderful day. Thank you. I think you should listen. I think you might learn something from Demi Lovato. Okay. Right. That would be great. I get another issue out of this. Yeah. yeah. What okay. was her statement again, Robin? <laughs> I don't know. I, I missed it if she made one. All right. Thank you. I just you. want the world to be a healthy, happier place to live in, and I really believe in that. Um, I feel really bad about the whole health care system. It's really, really important to and, me. And, and who are the two okay. senators from uh, Florida right now, Tanma? Uh, Chris, Rick, Rick Scott, and um, and you have to forgive me. I don't know the other one. All right. Fair enough. All right. Thank you, Tanma. Senator Tanma. Right, you guys have a great day. You right. too, Tanma. Thank you, Tanma. Tan what, a, what a wonderful candidate. What a refreshing candidacy to hear Tanma. Being honest and forthright and saying... I don't expect to win. I've never heard a candidate say that before. And she was honest. When she doesn't know something, she says, look, I don't know about that. <laughs> That's right. She doesn't make it up. She doesn't try to pretend no. that she knows something she doesn't. I want her. I want her in the Senate. I do. So anyway, um, Demi Lovato, who has a new album out called Revamped, I'll explain when we return. I, I I heard her warming up. Boy, that that woman has pipes. She's got a powerful voice. That is true. And I want to play Demi Robbins' version of Skyscraper that oh, she no, cut. Oh, no, I thought you no, would have forgotten. Never. <laughs> Honestly, and I'm going to tell Demi this. I'm going to be honest. I like your version a little better. <laughs> I'm sitting here, believe it or not, with Demi Lovato. I'm really impressed. But Demi, great to have you here. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. And sitting with her is her band, which we're going to get to in a, in a couple of minutes. But this band looks great. It's all women. Yes. Yeah, I looked up and I saw a female band and I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you guys look great together as a band. Has this band been with you a long time or is this something new? Yeah, I started touring again for the first time in four years last year, and I wanted to put together an all-girl band because it was something I'd always dreamt of. Right. And um, and it just came together, and so, yeah. 
These are the best musicians you found yes. for your band. Yes. And what do you do? Like, is it an audition process? Yeah, there's an audition process um, that I... So I hired a MD, and he helped me put together the band. He, like, um, his name's Stacey, he's really great. And um, he helped me put together the band by auditioning people. Right. And looking at people and um, giving recommendations. And then I heard them and was like, yeah. Constance... You look beautiful. You got a great rock look. You got the guitar there. What kind of guitar is that? It's a Jackson. It's a, a nice, a, beautiful Jackson. A Jackson. <laughs> what is it? I don't. I'm, I know Stratocasters. I, I mean, you know, what is a Jackson? I mean, it's owned by Fender, so oh, it is. same company, but it's a lot more like shreddy metal kind of guitar. Very nice. And and uh, when you had to audition for Demi. Is that a nerve-wracking thing for you, or is it something that is... No, it's not. No. <laughs> Why is that? Have you played in a lot of bands? Yeah, I've been touring since I was 13. Can you shred on that wow. thing a little thing for us, for just a little bit? Just oh, to, my gosh. Just do it. Give us a solo. Do something. <laughs> Here. I mean, the tone's not ready for a lead, but okay. Okay. Very nice. <laughs> and you go in, and Demi's sitting there, and she's a big star, and, you, and and she says, okay, let me hear you play a couple of my tunes, and you run through them, and uh, that's how you get the gig. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, Constance, and we have Britt on drums. Britt? Yes, hello. When did you start playing drums? I was about 10 years old. Wow. And yeah, so a minute. And 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 just just hit him a little bit so so people can hear that uh, Denny's oh, got yeah. a real band. Go ahead, just do something. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> and also, you have Leanne Bowes on uh, bass. And, yes. Uh, how long you been playing the bass since you're a kid? Yeah, since I was a kid. Yeah. yeah since I was twelve. Were you nervous auditioning for Demi? You know, I mean, it was excite. The prospect of it was so exciting. It felt it felt like the right fit. I've auditioned for things where it just like. You know, it's like, okay, I'll, I'll take the gig, it's work, whatever. This right. really felt like the right fit. So it was more exciting than nerve-wracking, nerve I would say. And and what do you play for Demi when you go in and uh, audition? What I mean, we, we played songs, Demi's songs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's exciting. Well, <laughs> this is great. I mean, I was listening to you guys rehearse. It sounds really good. Demi, um, I'm impressed with this number. 157 million followers <laughs> on Instagram. Is that pressure for you in your life? I, to me, it seems like if I had 157 million followers on Instagram, I constantly have to keep coming up with material to feed them. Um, more and more, like, kind of revelations. You know, fans now, it's different. Like, I remember growing up, rock stars, you didn't know anything about them. Yeah. You were desperate to find out any little bit of information, and the only way you found out stuff was in their album, in the right. album notes and stuff. Right. You knew nothing else. I feel like it is a pressure cooker for younger stars today because you have to share every fucking moment of your life yeah you know what's um tricky is tiktok you know instagram i don't feel a lot of pressure i've been on instagram for years and years it feels like um but with tiktok you get and and i guess instagram too you get rewarded the more you post the algorithm rewards you by showing up in people's feeds right therefore you get more views and so with tiktok i feel pressured to post content but like i don't always know what to post i'm like not the type of person i didn't grow up in this generation where today like gen z where they're like they have a mind for content where they'll be um they'll be you know out at a grocery store and they'll have an, an idea for a TikTok and they'll 
post and I, I just don't have that mindset. Um, I kind of, you know, what I started doing was baking and posting videos um, on my TikTok of me baking and like cooking and... And then um, do you get shit from fans who go, hey, I don't give a fuck about baking. <laughs> no, those are actually, they, they do really well for me. They do well. Yeah. But it's like, I can imagine, I mean, you're a musician. That's your that's your gig. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, you've got to also be a reality star. Right. You've got to be somewhat Kim Kardashian. And that's right. not what that's not really the job. The no, job is- I I really resented it in the beginning. Like I was like, I, you know, I hate this. I'm not going to do it. Um, just going to post for me. And it really does get your music out there. It's, it does. So it's it's a you know, you can either choose to hate it and resent it or you can choose to like surrender and be like okay this is just a part of the industry now which is what i've kind of learned to do and um and it helps so might as well have a positive outlook on it yeah no i can't imagine the pressure and it's like how many clips do you think you have to put out a day in order to satisfy your fans because to me it's almost it's a huge business it's like having a television network when you have 157 million people it's insane yeah it's pretty wild um i I sometimes forget how many people follow me on Instagram. Like, right. it's, and then I'm like, wow. Um, it's the it's- size of Russia. Do you realize <laughs> the entire country has 157 million people? Wow. That's insane. Wow. And I mean, that's real power. Yeah. You know, I remember being on the radio and I don't know, 25, 30 million people would listen to me every mm-hmm. morning. And I think, wow, that's pretty impressive. But yeah, 157 million people be like <laughs> nuts. It's yeah, it's a lot, but I kind of just breathe through it and just am really grateful and humbled by it. So, yeah, oh no, it's really an incredible medium to get your music out there. And I don't know, I look at your life as it's a bit of a pressure cooker in the sense that like, do you have a camera crew with you all the time? Do you have to have somebody around you producing this kind of material? No, you know, what's funny is I actually... So I have some help with um with people like putting clips of old songs together to like promote the new album revamped. So like for Tell Me You Love Me, you know, I'll post um I'll have someone help me edit like a video where it's old clips of me singing the song to the newer audio and we'll post that and and that did pretty well. But like for the most part I do my own curating. Like I, wow. I edit and um do you live in fear that you could say the wrong thing and it'll just blow up your whole fucking career? I have lived in fear of that since I was 15. Right. Because I started out in this industry when I was 15 um, on Disney Channel. And I, I feel like you always... started out when you were 10 or 11 when you did uh, Barney. Barney and Friends. Yeah. You know, but there wasn't like the pressure that came with it of people knowing who you were. Right. It was just like people at school knew you were on Barney and that was that. Um, nobody really got attached to the actors that played the kids in the show you know what's weird though when you get barney at 10 or 11 mm-hmm. like you described you were like bullied at school kids called you shitty names yeah i would have thought just the opposite like if i knew a kid was on barney he'd be yeah. like the most like i knew a kid who was on the patty duke show when i was a kid which you know i'm like 100 years old but like mm-hmm. this kid was the most popular kid 
He'd walk around, like, like women wanted to fuck him just because he was on the Patty Duke show. You know what I mean? How well, old I think this I'm, kid? I don't know, but it was like crazy. He was, like, was like a senior in high school or something. I think it was because I missed um, like the age when I went back to school. And by the time I was old enough to work on Barney, it wasn't cool anymore to watch it. Wow. So that's why I think I, you know, I got teased for it at school. Um, what would they say to you? Because to me, I would have been like, that girl's on Barney. I got it. I, I want to. Maybe she'll She's talk to pro. me. Yeah, like wow, <laughs> like she knows something. You know, I I don't remember what they teased me for. I just remember going home from school and my mom saying, like, you know what, you're laughing all the way to the bank. Did like, you, you have- did you work with the actual Barney? guy in mm-hmm. the class was he an asshole or was he a good no dude? he was so nice he was a and nice you know guy, what's yeah. funny is he was really attractive <laughs> really yeah you mean he took off the barney head i mean he was attractive yeah and 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 i had like a bit of a crush on him <laughs> even at a young age but you had to be like really muscular because the suit weighs like right i don't know like 50 <laughs> to 100 pounds it's like a huge suit and so he, he was like ripped and he happened to have a Good-looking face. <laughs> wow! I would. I would. What a great story! If you would have run off with Barney, <laughs> I would have been a little young. But. A little young at that point. But 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 yeah. I mean, I just think it's incredible. Then, but what? Then, when you're 15 and you get on the Disney Channel, that's kind of insanity. I mean, yes, yeah, yeah. There was there was one time where I went to my friend's autograph signing. He was on Disney channel and um, I went to his autograph signing just to say hi. Cause he had moved to LA. I hadn't seen him in a while. And when I walked in, somebody screamed like a blood curdling scream. And I was like, I, I freaked out. Like I was like, what's going on? And it was for me. And that was the moment when I realized like, Oh, my life is about to be very different. Did you like that feeling? Did you? I I sense that you as a kid, and we can get into it a little mm-hmm. bit with your mom and dad. I sense that all the love you weren't getting at home, especially from your father. And I know father mm-hmm. hunger; it's bad. Yeah, I got, I got daddy issues for sure. Me too. And yeah. when you don't have daddy paying attention to you, mm-hmm. you can act outrageously. You'll do anything to get attention. Yeah. But that at first was that really the drug? The that kid screaming and going, "Oh my God, it's Demi Lovato!" Like, like. Isn't that the turn on? I mean, yeah. And it was also just really rewarding because I had worked so hard for my music. Um, you know, I had, I had this, like, I had this love for music starting at like five years old. You knew it five. Sing. I knew at five. I wanted to be the next Shirley Temple. Like I was like, I'm going to be the youngest in the game doing the biggest stuff. And it didn't turn out that way, but were you a good singer at five? Like, I mean, were you, it was a gift. In other words, you didn't have to work toward it. You didn't have to like, tr- like I was interviewing Ed Sheeran and he played me early tapes of him singing mm-hmm. and it was horrendous. Like he <laughs> taught himself. He said, I have to become a good singer. I mean, to a certain degree, I think it was just inherent that I was going to turn out to be a singer because my mom was a singer. And um, I think it was in my genes a little bit that I was going to have um, a somewhat good voice. And I knew that I had to train it. I knew that I had work to be done. So I I took vocal lessons when I was young wow. um, for several years. And it definitely got my voice to a better place. And... Yeah, I still take vocal lessons to this day. Because you you are protective of your voice and the vocal yes. lessons keep you from blowing out your pipes. Yes, definitely. And do you, like when when you have a four octave range, which sounds to me like that's very few people have that. In other <laughs> words, you can amp up 
yeah. four octaves high. <laughs> I didn't even know that. I don't know like what my voice does. I just what go does out your there voice do? Can you can you demonstrate to me how high you can go? Or do no, you, you can't. <laughs> Why? Should, first of all, it should be illegal to sing this early. <laughs> right. I know. I heard you warming up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry if that was distracting to you. No, um, I thought it was great. But I mean, okay, you've got great. tremendous power in your voice. Thank I mean, you. you were really belting in there. You know, whatever time it is now. Yeah. It, it, like you were belting it out. Thank you. But those are vocal exercises, right? You yeah, need that. vocal right. exercises to warm up and then also like going through the song a couple times. So when your mom named you Demi, was it because of Demi Moore? No, um, it was actually my mom just thought I was going to turn out to be a boy. You know, she didn't want to know the sex of the baby. And so um, she had the baby they were like it's a girl and she was like well shit i don't have a name for her and um they threw a baby book of names at her and um a book of baby names at her and she flipped through and saw demetria and she thought that was really beautiful and she was like we can call her demi for short so and, did, and what, what do you think of demi Moore calling herself demi do you, do you <laughs> take I, offense at that when i first met her we met at a dinner one time and i was like you say your name weird and she's like you say your name weird <laughs> yeah <laughs> so. because i remember when demi moore became demi moore and uh-huh. i was like i was like it's a demi dummy dummy more i mean you know like demi seems right. the way it should be that's yeah. it well technically it should be demi for me because my name's demetria right so maybe she's on to something. You want me to call you Demi? <laughs> no. <I'm> <laughs> You'd feel weird about that. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of your mother, I'm mm-hmm. always fascinated by people's beginnings. And, mm-hmm. and uh, first of all, you're maybe the most, I watched that whole documentary on you. And yeah. you're maybe the most honest person I've ever seen. Thank and you, you seem to have completely opened up about drugs, about mm-hmm. fame, about your parents and the mm-hmm. sort of that early beginning. Uh, to me... I mean, you know what I was wondering during it? I was wondering, I wonder if you still have any secrets. Like, mm-hmm. are there things you will not talk about? Or have you just basically bared your soul completely to the audience? Or are there things you're still holding back? Um, I think there will always be things that I still hold back. Um, you know, things that I don't feel is necessary to talk about. Right. I feel like there are certain things that can help with... Um, with other people's struggles and then there are struggles that I've had that I just don't see the need to bring up and also it's a matter of like at what point do I stop sharing everything with the world and just hold on to a little bit of like work that I have to still do for myself um well you're in therapy right so so does your therapist ever say to you Demi you're ruining your therapy by sharing too much with your audience. <laughs> no. No? Um, oh, with the audience. Um, she's very supportive of me having boundaries with the public. And yeah. that's what it is. It's just having boundaries. You know, I'm, I'm an open book for when, if you want to talk about substance use, if you want abuse, or if you want to talk about mental health struggles or eating disorders, like I'm an open book. Right. But, um, there are some things that, you know, some trauma that I may have that I don't ever see myself talking about. Um, and she's very supportive of that. Um, I can't imagine what trauma you've experienced that you don't talk about because everything seems so traumatic that you've experienced. Yeah. Do you refer, you're, you're referring to these, uh, the men who took advantage of you, uh, and not giving their names. Is that what you're referring to? Like that stuff you're not comfortable talking about? No, I think it's totally separate stuff, um, right. that I've just never felt 
comfortable talking about. Right. Yeah. No, I get that. You know, mm-hmm. I was always, for me, being on the radio, everything I talked about, everything. And then as yeah. I went into therapy, there's some things maybe I ought to keep quiet about. Yeah, you feel like, you start to feel really exposed. Yeah. And, um, and I just, I came to a point where I was like, okay, it's time that, like, I have some boundaries with the public, um, just so that I can protect my mental health, you know? You can do so much by helping people, by sharing your story, but, um, you can't, it's like that saying, you know, when you get on an airplane, you put the oxygen mask on first, you know, you can't help other people unless you're helping yourself, and, a part of helping myself is protecting myself from oversharing too much. And you know what else is wrong with oversharing, in my opinion? Hmm. People give you advice when they, <laughs> and some of it is the shittiest advice you can ever get, and they make you nuts. <laughs> like, I'm like, like if I even say, hey, I don't feel well. Oh, that's because you did this, or that. They'll, they'll tell you you're dying. You know what <laughs> I mean? It's like, it's weird. It's, uh, it's it's like people just have an opinion about everything, and sometimes yeah. you got to shut off all that noise. I think. Yeah. You know what I'm struck by right now? Mm. You actually look like a young Demi Moore. <laughs> has Thank anyone you. has anyone ever said that to you? Yeah, people have told me that before, and it's um, weird. Like it's like. <laughs> Thank you. It, I think she's it, so beautiful. Me she's too. So amazing. She's so sweet. I mean, I'm not coming on you. I'm just telling you. You look like Demi Moore. <laughs> Don't you guys think so? I mean, and it's. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm thinking about your mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And the thing, then this is a weird question. Mm-hmm. Your mom, mm-hmm. Dallas cheerleader, yeah. singer, wanted a career in show business. Mm-hmm. And you got the career in show business. Yeah. Did you ever feel, and this is weird, but I know this feeling. Do you ever feel guilty or like. You can't be too happy about your fame and success and money because you got what your mother couldn't get. No, because it came from a place of like my mom got pregnant with us or she chose to have kids rather than pursue her career. In the beginning of um, my sister's life, uh, when she was young, my mom took her around and toured with her. And so she was continuing her music career. And then she was like, you know what? I just want to have a family and be a mom. Right. And so it wasn't like a situation where she didn't make it. She was, you know, on track to do really big things. She was opening for Reba McIntyre and George Strait and wow. Williams Jr. And so she was, you know, she, she got a good taste of it, um, of success. And, but I think that she just ultimately chose to have a family and, She's my biggest supporter. She's, you know, I never feel guilty or anything like that um, because of how celebrated I feel by her. And and was she able to fill that hole for you that your father left your your birth father, you know, your your, your biological father? Yeah. He he bailed on you early on, and the guy had alcohol, drug problems. He yeah. He, he was he was a mess. Well, he actually, we left him. He was very abusive to my mom and physically um, abusive. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you saw that abuse. Yes, I did see that. I was very young, but I was sometimes in her hands when it was happening. And so, um, we got away from him and at the same time, he, it did feel like he abandoned us because he chose, it felt like he chose drugs and alcohol over being a good father. And that's, you can't wrap your head around, right? I mean, no. you're like, how do you, I'm this. I don't know how when you became aware of it, but you're like, I'm this good kid. How yeah. come my father doesn't want to know me? 
Yeah. I mean, it was really painful. And I think that's a part of why I was so fascinated with drugs and alcohol at such a young age. Yeah, it must be like, great if he couldn't yeah. be with you. Yes. If he chose this over his family, what's so great about it? And I was already in, you know, some pain myself when I started choosing to drink and use substances. How um, old were you when you had your first drink? I was 12. Wow. Yeah. And then I got into a car accident and was prescribed um, Vicodin and started popping those like candy and was like, my mom ended up seeing the bottle like pretty much gone and was like, where have these gone? It's been a few days. And I was like, well, I've taken them. They Man, feel good. And she was like, I need to take these away from you. So she did. Add addiction's really genetic. I mean, if 12 years old, I've, yeah. I don't even get Vicodin. I mean, I've taken Vicodin. I've had mm -hmm. my share of stuff. And I never got high from it. It never did anything for me. I didn't even understand it. But it was just like you were looking for something at 12. And to me, yeah. I don't want to get too psychological, but I always mm -hmm. end up doing this. You're probably like also, I want to share what my dad's into. Maybe that'll attract him to me. Maybe if I'm into drugs, he'll he'll come back to me. I think with him, he was already, he had already left the state. He moved to New Mexico and... um he, I think it was more of just a, I want to relate to him. I, he, I knew he was not coming back. Right. Um, so it was just more of like, I, I want to understand them. Yeah. yeah. Wow. What a prince. <laughs> Ay. Yeah. It, it's, it makes you wonder why people have kids sometimes too. You know, it's just yeah. crazy. I mean, he was, he was sick. He also had schizophrenia. And so he was, he was just very sick and it was hard for me to have a relationship with him because he had these delusions and I thought he was like outright lying to me about these fantasies he would have that he would say were reality. And, um, and so it was really painful for me. And ultimately like I had to stop communicating with him because I couldn't hold a conversation with it without there being some sort of delusion being involved. And it was too painful for me. And how old were you when your father, when you kicked your father out? Well, he, Moved to, um, to New Mexico when I was probably around like eight years old. And, um, I stopped talking to him when I was 14. What happens when you get on the Disney Channel and now you're a bona fide star mm -hmm. and you're making big money? Mm -hmm. Does he all of a sudden, uh, hey, Demi, uh, need to talk to you? I really want to be in your life. Did he pull any of that shit? Well, he, he would always call. You know, he, it wasn't like he was, peace out, I'm never speaking to you again, I'm choosing drugs over you. That's just how it felt and how it was perceived to me as a child. Right. Um, what, it, what happened was he would always call, I just wouldn't answer because it was too painful for me. Uh -huh. And so when I did become known, um, he started talking to tabloids, I think trying to get my attention. Or they contacted him, something like I don't really know how it went down, but I just remember there being articles in and like Entertainment Tonight or like Extra, whatever those shows were or are doing a segment on my dad. And like you could just see how unwell he was. You um, must have felt so betrayed. I mean, not only is he not in your life, I mean, he's trying, he's calling, blah, blah, blah. But all of a sudden he's talking to, you know, tabloids. Yeah. Oh, man. It was more so embarrassing because I knew it was like, it was just cringe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was, it was very cringy for my dad who I, I don't 
have a relationship with all of a sudden talking to news outlets. Like I was very embarrassed by it. Um, but yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't like angry or anything. I just was like, and if anything, I was like, these people don't know that they're taking advantage of someone who's got a mental illness. That's right. And you know, the other weird part of it for me when I was like sort of looking into all this, that your dad would say he had cancer or mm-hmm. something in order to get sympathy or say mm-hmm. he was dying so mm-hmm. that maybe you would talk to him. Yeah. And that's like crazy time. I mean, you know, yeah. and then that plays with your emotions like it's 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 so strange. Especially as like a child, you think that your dad only has six months to live. And so you start thinking like that. You start crying. And my mom was just like, that's not the case. And I was like, how can you not believe him? He says this. And it was really sad. Did you ever go through, because of the father hunger and you, mm-hmm. you know, did you ever go through a period of time where you just were throwing yourself at men because you wanted a man in your life so badly and, and tried to attract them somehow sexually? I think what I went through is I had a phase of dating older men, right. dating older guys. And um, I went through a phase where I was attracted to older guys because of my daddy issues, obviously. Yeah. And now I'm at a place where like, I'm in an amazing relationship and my boyfriend is a year older than me and we're growing together and it feels so healthy, you know? And how'd you meet um, him? We actually met in the studio. And, um, so he's an artist, but he's also a songwriter. So he came in to write on one of my sessions and I was in the studio and was like, Immediately attracted? Immediately attracted to him, yeah. <laughs> Lucky bastard, he's so hot, right? Oh, he's a good-looking dude. I, I wish like I texted was good my looking. friends on the side and was like, he's so hot. I'm, I'm in with this songwriter that's so hot. And See I what just, I mean? Yeah. Are you sure he has a good personality or are you just yes. so enamored with the way he looks? <laughs> no, he has the best personality. We laugh nonstop. Yeah, what's this dude's name? His name is Jordan Lutz, but he goes by Jutes. See, he even has like a cool name, this guy. <laughs> What do you think? Are you going to marry this guy? Yeah, I think so. You think so? Yeah. He hasn't popped a question yet? No, but we've talked about it. Really? Yeah. How, How serious long has it been? How long has it been? It's been like a year and a half. All right. So we're, ta- okay, we're taking okay. our time with it a little bit, you know? I um, I think it's important not to like rush that. Yeah. Demi, because I mean, you're a big star, this for this guy, I feel bad because how do you make the first move? I'd be very careful with you if I was plotting this in my head. I'm, I'm, I see you, obviously attractive woman, and I say, I'm this jutes, and I go, uh, hmm. <laughs> you know, that, do you make the first move in order to make it easy for him? Because, you know, it's a strange thing when you're, when you're a superstar. Well, what's funny is, like, we remained, we started off as friends for the first few months. and Oh, this poor guy. And I was like, oh, there's no way he's attracted to me. Like, oh, I, you felt, yeah, no I was like, there's no way. And why um, do you have that feel? Because do you have, do you, you've never had a guy turn you down, have you? Um, I'm sure. Like, have you I ever been rejected? T- yeah, I'm sure. Like, you can't even remember being rejected. I can't remember because it's been so long since I've dated. It feels like it's been so long since I've dated. But yeah, I've been rejected. I've been like, um, like guys you've come on to have said, eh, I don't want to be with her. Um, I don't believe it. I think it's happened more so with girls. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so you re- you describe yourself as pansexual. Pansexual. Yeah. And that means what? You're just in love with a human. 
you you're attracted to the human and 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 the person themselves it's it's everything so equally attracted to women as men yeah and women have rejected you i think you know what what's happened in the past is like they'll be attracted to me or will be attracted to each other and then i'll want it to like to pursue it further and they are i think it's happened where girls have been like they just want a hookup and it's like i actually wanted something more serious so it ends up not working isn't that weird you would think the opposite you would think guys would just want the hookup yeah (laughs) girls just want to hook up with you for the night yeah i guess so and you and you get tremendously hurt by that i'm sure um yeah especially when you like the girl you know it was definitely painful I'd like to meet the girl that just wanted a one-nighter with you. <laughs> I really would. It's it's crazy to me. Yeah. I don't know, because you had a lot going on. It's kind of, it's kind of great. <laughs> nice. But you think this guy is yeah. the one for you. Yeah, I know. Wh- why? Why is he so great? He's so great because, you know what it is? We started off as friends, so we built that foundation of friendship first, and then... I do that with every girl, but then it never goes with <laughs> Never goes to anything yeah. beyond friends. I'm like, hey, everyone's my friend. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, but what I, there, there's like this partnership there that, um, is just so magnetic and the way that we laugh together, it's just nonstop. So I think if you can find someone that you can, that, you know, makes you feel safe, makes you, that you're, so attracted to that you know you laugh with constantly that's the formula of like a a really great relationship so demi in other words this guy's in the studio with you Mm -hmm. this jutes Mm -hmm. and we're hanging out Uh and it's great we're writing songs maybe together Mm -hmm. he's you know he's talented i'm talented everything's perfect you're interested but for months this is a slow burn this is very romantic this might be a movie (laughs) you for months it's a friendship yeah but you want more, but you're playing it cool. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then, so how does it occur that you become lovers? Um, we were texting one night and it just kind of like, I don't remember how it happened, but, um, one of us said something kind of flirty and it turned into, and are you oh, like, wait, we're attracted to each other. And are you like, it's about time with this guy. I was starting to think maybe he's gay <laughs> yeah. or something, right? No, I, I just was like, <laughs> I just for sure felt like I was in the friend zone because I love we, we kind of were. I love romance. Don't you? <laughs> yes. It's so great when it works out. Oh, yeah. And so the flirty texts go. Uh-huh. And then he asks you out on like a formal date or you can't go dating because won't you be photographed or something? Where do you date? Um, There's places I, I go out like there's I, I'm not. Um, Where do the you type go? Person that. I go to places around my house, um, places, I, anywhere, really. Like, I don't, I'm not hounded by paparazzi. No. Who do you so, hang with? Like, uh, you I got, have a core group of, like, really amazing people. They are kind of amazing. I watched your documentary. Oh, thanks. Yeah. See, I have my, a whole psychological theory about that. Yeah. When you became heavily addicted, especially after you yeah. relapsed, and it was serious. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we can talk a little bit about it, but I, I think most people know that Demi had a real, serious you you almost died and when i say almost some people say they almost died you really almost died yeah and this group of people around you as they were you know i was watching your security guy and your best friend and this and Mm -hmm. that and i said oh my god she's finally getting 
the loving she needed as a kid. Yeah. And in a way, it made me sad because it took you almost killing yourself right. to get that father love. And you're getting it from this group of people who are really devoted to you and really loving to you. Mm-hmm. But this is, it's really weird. My mother had no mother growing up. Her father mm-hmm. kicked her out of the house and would send her to an orphanage and all this kind of stuff. And now that she's an old woman, I have people watching her all the time. And my mother's finally happy. Because yeah. I see she's got a mother. Like, she's got a mother with her every minute. Mm-hmm. In a way, the, the near-death experience for you and the drug addiction, in a weird way, put all these people worrying about you and proving that they loved you. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it's... I did have my stepdad growing up. My stepdad was great. And um, I felt a lot of love from my family growing up. But um, those daddy issues just rooted inside of me um, were, you know, definitely um, exacerbated that fascination with drugs. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I have, I keep my circle very small, but... They're people I can trust, yeah. and um, and that's something that's hard to come by in this industry. So I keep my my circle very small, but trustworthy. So now, are you worried you're going to lay too many of your issues on Jutes? In <laughs> other words, is he going to have to now fill the pain of the daddy issues? I can say with confidence that my daddy issues aren't anything that are inside of me anymore and i think there's a few signs to that you know like i'm with a partner that is my age essentially right um i no longer like i I look back on on the past and you know think that's gross um and uh, with how much older were these guys that you were finding yourself with um 10 20 years yeah wow not 20 years but yeah older than sometimes older than 10 years right yeah and now you look at that as gross yeah definitely i mean it depends on the for me i was a teenager right and so it to me that's gross um if you are 50 and 60 that's you're you're not so gross not so no um not at all i mean even 30 and 40 that's not gross at all but i think that when you're in those developmental years you should absolutely not be with somebody that's older than yep um you by that much it's just unhealthy and toxic so now you've discussed getting married with jutes yeah. mm-hmm. how serious are we how far along when, when will i be invited to this football <laughs> wedding? what 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 like like what do you mean how how serious are we getting to the point where you're fantasizing about a life together being oh yeah well, that's that's happened since the beginning of fantasizing what life would be like together um that's you, happened since the beginning you want to have his kids yeah definitely oh mm-hmm. this is serious yeah the band's all and, giddy over um, there. Take it easy, gal. <laughs> um, Jutes is loved by everyone. So, um, What do you yeah. think of my theory about this? And this concerns fame, musicianship. When guys go out on the road, mm-hmm. you know, all the classic bands go out on the road. Mm-hmm. Their real drug of choice is women. They just mm-hmm. want to fuck. Let's face it. They go out 
and they use that opportunity to be on the road. Mm-hmm. I think the road is harder for women because women are more mature. Women are more sensible sometimes, a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And the road doesn't mean all the road is for you is you're away from home, you're away from family, you're away from friends. And you're not out there to fuck everyone. You know, you're not there to, to have sex with your groupies. So I feel the road has no allure except to get you into trouble and want make you numb. Well, I think the road for me has always been lonely. Um, it's not been something where I've really indulged in substances. Like I always, even when I was using um I would clean up for the road because I hate how I sound when I'm on stage and I'm singing and I'm not giving my fullest potential. Like I've performed before at an award show high. And when I watched it back, I was just like, oh, this sounds awful. The famous Um, clip where you forgot the lyrics too, right? That was your high. Oh, no, I just forget the lyrics. You do. (laughs) I don't know how anybody anybody remembers lyrics. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Why can't um, you use a teleprompter when you're on stage? I do for my concerts. Okay, good. Yeah, I do. I see nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, I have, I'm working on like, I have like eight or nine albums now. So that's a lot of material to remember. Yeah. And um, no, when I was, when I was high, it just like, I was functioning. It just didn't sound good. And my voice was strained. That's the one thing I can't figure out. Cause I've, I'm, I'm not. I'm an addictive personality, but mm-hmm. I've never had uh, real problems with drugs. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I've tried probably every drug, but I don't mm-hmm. think I've had problems. It's weird. Mm-hmm. And I can take it or leave it. But the one fear factor for me would be if I had the gift of your voice, did you sit there and go, oh, fuck, I could lose my voice. And I mean, my voice is my gift. You know, you never sat and worried about it. It's like, who cares? I'm going to do drugs. Like, I would think that would prevent you from ever doing heavy drugs. No, I think that when you're in so much pain that the consequences don't matter to you, you're not thinking about what could happen or what's going to happen to you. You're just in pain and you're, and you just want to escape or numb out. And so I put numbing out before everything in my life. And when I choose drugs, I'm choosing them over family, over friends, over my career, over essentially everything and um that's the way that i use because it helps you destroy any emotion you're going through in other words it blocks it out yeah yeah i mean it destroys every feeling and it it takes away the bad feelings that you feel inside all the pain all the trauma you know it, it all stems from unresolved work that you know i hadn't done with my therapist and um you know what's but, a strange a shame you're, that you're not a narcissist because as a narcissist and take it from me i can block out anything because i can make everyone disappear and make myself the only one that matters mm. and so that was my problem when i went into therapy i could well, just i don't even need a drug for that i just can stop feeling everything and say you don't mm. matter and you don't matter and you don't matter and that's mm. even worse sometimes at least you felt you know right I I kind of admire that. Yeah, I'm a very sensitive person. Um, But I do think that when you're in the middle of using drugs, you tend to navigate from narcissistic tendencies. You know, you're 
you're not, you're putting yourself before anybody else and you're putting your habit before anybody else. So, um, that's just what addiction can do to, or that mind state can do to someone. You know, what freaked me out when I was watching the documentary and, and when you OD'd and they put this tube in your neck, Mm -hmm. one of the consequences was you could not see. You had such a bad overdose that it affected your vision. Yeah. That would freak me out. The, my my biggest fear in life is like losing my vision. Mm-hmm. Um, that would that would sober me up so quick. And yet you're like, fuck it. You know, it's like, no, yeah, I don't even care. Yeah. So I still actually have vision problems um, to this day. Like I don't drive. I don't drive anymore because I have blind spots in my vision. So like from the, the overdose. Yes. And it's, it hasn't repaired itself. No, it repaired like significantly more um, f- within the first three months of the overdose happening. But then there was residual. And so like when I look at you, if I'm looking at your eyes, I don't see your nose or your mouth. It's oh, good. Just, like, <laughs> it's just you like must a- be really turned on then. <laughs> you talk about some of my worst features. Oh, no. Can you see my hair? I can see your hair. Oh, good. good. It's just look like at right that. below Focus. my focal point. Yeah. Um, and it was due to the lack of oxygen to my brain. It killed off some cells that just never repaired. Um, <sighs> do you ever lay in bed at night and go, why the fuck did I do this to myself? I can't drive now. And I, I did you, are you angry with yourself? No, I don't. I have a lot of sympathy for um the state of mind I was in to be using those drugs and to take it to that extreme. Like I, I I think to myself, wow, you were in a lot of pain and it's okay now. Like you're, you've worked through it. So, um, a lot of people ask me like, do you have any regrets in life? And a lot of times I start to answer like, yeah, I wish I didn't overdose because I have hearing impairment. I have vision impairment. And like, I, that was just an awful thing to put my family and friends through. Um, but I also have to like re- remember the importance of not living in the past and not having regrets for things. Yeah. Um, so I try to remain positive and have like a healthy perspective on what happened to me and just stay in the present moment. Yeah. I love that you talk about all this because I think it's important, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Kids need to hear it. They mm-hmm. do. Well, especially now, there's fentanyl in everything. Yeah, I, I think that's why you said you had the, the bad overdose you did, because it was fentanyl yes, laced fentanyl. in with heroin. Mm-hmm. I mean, man, I mean, when they put that fentanyl in there, it can really fuck you up. You know, if it was just pure heroin, you'd be okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, oh, man. I don't know. You know, I, I have so many thoughts about this, too, because... When Elton John goes in your documentary, he goes, hey, and he, he's really good friends with you, right, uh, Elton? Um, I wouldn't say we're really good friends, but he's someone that um, has supported my career. and um, Have you hung been... with him? Yeah. What yeah. did you do with Elton? We went to dinner um, after. So I, I did a appearance on an award show that was honoring him. I think it was the People's Choice or... It was something, right? AMA, something like that. And um, afterwards, we we all went to dinner, and it was great. Is it weird? No, he was such a hoot. Yeah, yeah. yeah he seems like just a regular. You know, he's 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 nice. Yeah, super nice. Yeah, super nice. And what a talent, right? I mean, but he was he was right with everything that he said in my documentary. Like, I had to learn 
you know, I'm not the type of person he was, I, you know, he said, alluded to the fact that like a little bit of drugs, like doesn't, isn't going to work. And he's like, I found the abstinence is the only thing that works. And I believe that he's right. So, um, but, but I had the, to learn that in the documentary, they said you were drinking and doing weed and you felt, okay, I can drink in moderation and do mm-hmm. weed. And Elton says, no, Demi, I'm sorry, but you cannot drink and do weed because every habit, especially sm- some smokers yeah. will go, I could have one or two cigarettes a day. No, you can buy, by the end of the year, you'll be up to a pack. Right, right. So, so now you've stopped everything because Elton was right. Oh, you're completely sober. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I didn't stop everything because he's right. I had to learn it on my own. Right. And what happened was, is I, I was smoking so much weed and taking edibles, sometimes 300 milligrams at a time, just, you know, just an unhealthy level. There's like this thing called dabbing. And I was dabbing from the moment I woke up to the moment I fell asleep. And I, all I did was replace my addiction with something that I thought was safer. Right. And, um, it just, it threw me into this deep depression where, you know, I put on a bunch of weight because I wasn't, because I was just smoking and eating and, um, I was hiding in my room, not wanting to go outside because I didn't want anyone to see me. Ugh. Um, and I not see up, you because of the weight or yeah, yeah, the weight and also just like this profound sadness that I felt because I wasn't experiencing life. You know, what happened was is I ultimately was in this walking coma where I wasn't feeling any pain, but I also wasn't feeling any joy. Right. I wasn't now when I laugh and have belly laughs and there's tears streaming down my face, like it feels so much more rewarding than when I would laugh while I was high. Yeah. Um, and, and I, and I don't, I don't really know why that is, but I'll, I think it's just because I'm more present and those and smoking led me back to, um, and drinking led me back to, um, other substances. And so I ended up going back into treatment in, um, November of 2021 and abstinence has been the key for me. Wow. Yeah. Cause I was wondering how you were dealing with all that. Cause I know it just gets worse. No matter if you say, I'm going to smoke one joint and you take two joints and then you have three joints and then you have a drink. Yeah. And it, and it just gets worse. But, uh, oh, wow. Well, congratulations on that. It is Thank hard. You. It is a hard thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Wow. I mean, so, so do you wake up every day thinking, Oh, I wish I could use, or are you kind of getting in a, in a space where it's not ever present? You know, when I did this, um, red carpet interview when I had about five years sober and they asked me like, how is it? And I said, every day is a struggle. And I didn't realize that that was not the way it should have been. Um, until I got sober this time and it's been you know, almost two years since I've used and, um, and I don't wake up every day struggling anymore because I'm choosing it for myself. In the past, it wasn't my decision to get sober. It was a bunch of people around me saying, we're going to leave you if you don't clean up your act. So I did, I cleaned up my act, but then I was white knuckling it every day because I wasn't choosing it for myself. Now, I understand the pitfalls of 
how deep and dark it can get and how desperate it can get. And I never want to feel that again. So I don't wake up struggling like I used to. I love that guy in your documentary. The guy, I guess he works in one of these drug centers and mm-hmm. he, and his whole attitude was when Demi came to me and said that she wants to drink a little and, and, and smoke. I never said to her that's wrong or you shouldn't mm-hmm. do it because that's just going to drive her away. So I talked to her about it. Right. And like the guy didn't make any judgments. Like I yeah. would have started lecturing you. Are you crazy? Are you doing this? And that would have made right. you fucking nuts. I right. mean, that guy's really evolved. Yeah, his name was Charles, and he he was amazing with me. Um, and he helped me through. He he guided me through finding my own voice. For right. so many years, I didn't have a voice. Um, I, other people pressuring me to get sober. Um, kind of shaming me for any other behavior and and with him he kind of graciously took me under his wing and said you know if this is what you're going to do how can we do it safe and ultimately that didn't work for me right but um where'd you go? how did you get sober i'm really curious where do you go i went to this amazing place in utah um right near park city in sundance utah called cirque lodge and they were really incredible. They, I've been there a few times. Um, I've been to inpatient treatment, like, I think like five times, but, um, this time you really wanted to go, right? This time I wanted to go. Yeah. And that's when it works. Yeah. Yeah. You have to uh, want it. If you don't want it, then it's going to be really hard to get sober. Do you have a lot of musicians who reached out to you? Like who said I'm worried about you and uh, I wanted to be there for you. Um, I wouldn't say that like a lot of people reached out to me during that period, but after I overdosed, I had a ton of people reach out to me and just say like, "Hey, I'm here. I love you, and I'm thinking about you." I had a I had a lot of people show up for me. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, you had a lot of support. I was thinking yeah. about it. I was reading about your musical influences. You know, you're talking about getting into music and growing mm-hmm. up and Spice Girls. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, you, this was from some interview you did. I can picture you in your room running around with a microphone trying to sing this. Yeah, I think this was my first either. I think it was my first cassette tape. The Spice Girls? Yes. Did you go see them in concert when you were a kid? No, but I wish I could have. What was your first concert? It was actually Santana. No shit. Yeah, I was like five years old and my, my, I was staying at a friend's house and their parents had tickets to a Santana concert and they decided to bring the kids along. So we went and I was too young to really understand what was happening, but it was fun. Yeah, that's a very cool concert to say as you first. Uh, Aretha Franklin, I get. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's some voice, right? Oh, yeah. You've yeah. got you've got the power to sing Aretha Franklin's songs. Like not every singer can handle that, but Thank you. you could sing this, right? You could yeah. sing the hell out of this. Yeah. Have you done that ever on stage? I have. I've sang. Um, she has a song, "Ain't No Way." Right. And I've, I've performed that on stage before. Ever meet her? So we never. Well, actually, yes, I met her in passing in New York City. She was outside of a hotel, and I ran up to her like a fan and was like, "Can I get a picture?" Took a picture with her. Didn't. And she said okay? Yeah, she said okay. Um, got a picture with her, and then that was that. And then years later, um, I wanted to get into contact with her 
or sh- vice versa. Somehow we got into contact with each other and we would text each other and we got on the wow. phone one time and talked and we were supposed to have tea. This was towards the end of her life. Um, we were supposed wow. to have tea while I was on tour in, in Detroit, I believe. Um, but she was too sick. And so I didn't get to have tea with her. Is that the best part of being famous? Getting to meet some of these people that you were like when, yeah, when you were a little girl. Them. If I said to you, you're going to have tea with Aretha Franklin, you would have said, fuck off. You don't even yeah. know you're talking about it. No, I would. Yeah. And also yeah. two huge influences on my career were Kelly Clarkson and Christina Aguilera and getting to know them and perform with them and sing with them has been some of the highlights of my life. Kelly Clarkson, that yes. girl's got some set of pipes, right? Oh I my mean, God, yes. I can sing the shit out of anything. She can sing this, the shit out of this, too. Yeah, I've seen yeah. her do this. Yeah. She's been on the show a couple of times. She can yeah. sing. Too bad you never had that tea with her. I would I, see. I, I, I get very nervous uh, in social situations. Like I could sit and talk to someone on the radio, uh-huh. but if you and I were talking off the air, I'd be like, "Oh, I'm a little nervous." Here. You know what I mean? <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. I, That's I would be, so funny. It's weird. It's a Billy Holiday you love. Yes. Gloomy Sunday. You know this song? I don't know this one. Sunday. You love the big strange singers. fruit. You like you like the women with the big voices. I do. Yeah. And just a lot of soul in their voice. When you sing, is it hard for you to even tone it down because you have such a big voice? There are times my voice feels comfortable projecting. And so sometimes when I sing live, like I'll be projecting more just because it feels comfortable in that range. Um, but I I try to tone it down because not every song I need to go 100% on. Right. In other words, tour. it's kind of like uh, you got to have some quiet moments to deliver the big one. Right. Yeah. And yeah. you know it. When do you know you're in the zone when you're hitting it? Like when you're in a recording studio and you're recording an album. Mm-hmm. Do you get chills when you sing? You know, you know how you get chills from certain songs. Do you get those chills when you know you hit the note or you hit the right moment? I don't, I don't know that I've ever given myself the chills. What I've definitely done is like hit a really high note in the studio and been like, "Oh my god, I didn't know that I could hit that," and like right. kind of freaked out and celebrated with the producer a little bit. Really, there are notes that you don't know until you get in the studio that you're going to hit. Like you're like, I don't know that I can hit this, and I don't even yeah, know where I'm like going. I'll, I'll hear it in my head. Um, there's like a comp. There's a a high note and confident. The new revamped version. Right. And, um, it's, it's towards the end of the song and I hit this note. And in the studio, I was like, I don't, I hear it. I don't know if I can hit it, but I want to try it. And you hit it at the end of Confident. Yeah. Let me see something. You talk about this, right? The revamped version. Yeah. Yeah, This is revamped. So it's at the the end of the song. Hold on. I'll fast forward. Pardon me. Trampling over your music. (laughs) That's okay. You know what I mean? I I can get to it. I mean, but I got, I'm fast forwarding like a maniac. What do you think? Like, I'll give you the last. So it's right. Right about after here? this. Right after this? You're going to hit the note? Not live. No, but you're going to hit it on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to hear the note you're impressed with yourself with. Okay. By the way, revamp. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. Maybe you'll hit a super high note today. Studio. Okay, it's coming up, it's coming up, it's coming up. Yay! 
surprised you. Yeah, that surprised me. I was in the studio like, oh my god, cool. <laughs> you play you play piano and uh, what do you play? You play piano, guitar. What do you play? I play piano and guitar, but I'm not. I wouldn't say like I'm great at it. I just know how to play and sing. Do you want to be great at it? I'm talking about like playing an instrument, or you um, don't care. I know that my instrument is my voice, and that is what I want to be great at. Right. The, the other instruments are like I'd. It would be dope to like solo on guitar, but I know that I'm probably just not going to get there. <laughs> because you probably could get there if you worked at it every day for it, right? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Would you ladies agree with that? That can anyone? Yeah. In <laughs> other words, if you work hard, and like I don't play guitar well. But if I really devoted myself to it, I could probably get to a certain level. Not a, yeah. not a master level, but I could yeah. probably get pretty good at it. Yeah. 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 Hard, yeah, hard work. You yeah. got to be willing to do the hard work. Yeah. Uh, I have a version of that. That's why I got in radio. <laughs> By the way, I noticed. Yes. You're not going to believe what I was most impressed with. What? You cutting your hair. Now your hair is long. <laughs> yeah. Looks great. When you cut, like I could never cut my hair off, like because I need I need help. That takes balls to cut your hair off, right? That's Thank a big, you. you know, because like you were like, this is really a ballsy move. I'm going to like almost like cut mm -hmm. it all off. Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of um, liberating, but also scary. Yes, definitely. Especially as a woman, because, you know, looks yeah. are like you're so evaluated all the time. Uh, you also like I hid behind my hair. Like I, for I some know reason, about my, that. my hair would just like I, I hid behind it. And um, when when I was shooting the documentary, I was like, you know what? I just got out of like this relationship. I have this overdose. I have all this trauma stored in my hair. I just want to cut it off. And so I did. And it felt so liberating. And eventually, like a couple years later, I ended up buzzing my head. And that felt really good. I wonder if you ever fantasize about a life without fame. In other words, do you For have sure. an alternate reality in your head? Like, let's say I never was good enough to hit it with singing or or maybe I just abandoned singing altogether mm -hmm. and just lived a normal life. There's, is there something appealing in that or does that sound crazy? No, it's definitely there are times where it sounds really appealing. Um, I've just been I've been doing this for so long Um that it's kind of the only life that I've ever known. So sometimes I do fantasize about what it would be like to not be famous. Yeah. The thing is, is like once you're famous, you're famous. There's no going back. You're always going to get recognized, even if it's once in 10 years, you're going to get recognized. And so um, there's nothing I can do about it now. <laughs> you know, it's amazing when you were scoring and you described going to see your dealer and all that. It's amazing you weren't outed. Like it was amazing your dealer kept his fucking mouth shut yeah. and didn't betray you. Yeah. And well, the dealer that I dealt with with the overdose didn't keep his mouth shut. Oh. He, he did interviews and, and stuff like that. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Real classy. No, hard it, to find a trustworthy dealer, right? Yeah, it's really hard. <laughs> you can't really rely on them. So we're right. here today, Demi, to celebrate not only your band here, but mm -hmm. to celebrate Revamped. I thought this was a really novel idea. You took all of your songs that you love. And you turned them into like a rock and roll version. Mm -hmm. What was the desire to rock? Like, what what's your history with rock and roll? Because when I think of Demi Lovato, I think of a big pop star. Yeah. But there was something inside of you where you wanted to have credibility with the rock and roll community. So when I was 
you know, 13, 14, 15, I got into rock music and what were you um, into? What was your bands? Um, I, there were some like, so first I started with like the emo bands, you know, um, some of them were the Academy is acceptance, the used. Um, so some of the emo bands, then I got into like screamo and then I started getting into like more metal music and, um, yeah. So like you mean like what kind of met, would it, would it be Metallica or no, it was like, Le- there's this band called um job for a cowboy yeah and they go really hard um and that was a band that i i listened to um quite a bit and yeah and so then i started making pop rock music my first album was pop rock it wasn't was it weird pop. like you probably had fantasies about making like a hard rock album or something for sure definitely i always wanted to be i felt like a little constricted to to be this pop star when I really wanted to explore other avenues. Right. But I also knew that singing pop music is what I was good at. And right. so I, I stuck to it. So it wasn't like I was being pigeonholed into this pop star ideal. It was just, um, I knew it was what I was good at and it, I was on Disney channel. Like I'm not, I can't go make a hardcore band. So, yeah, but don't you um, admire someone like Alanis Morissette who was in Canada? She was like a, on a, on whatever their Disney channel is. Wow, and, I didn't realize that. Yeah, she was a kid star. And wow. she was like like uh, pop music, mm-hmm. Alanis Morissette. She was like in all these pop videos. You can look them up online. And then she, she wrote Jagged Little Pill. So fuck wow. It. And it was like, whoa, blew the world's mind. You know? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And yeah, she she did that. Yeah. So, so I get it. So I, I did this album um, last year called Holy Fuck. And um, that was a rock album and when i went on tour i was like how am i going to get these songs like sorry not sorry and heart attack and confident to fix the new material or to match the new material that i'm playing so i decided to turn those into rock songs and then i was like wait there's something there's something here so i decided to record them and re-release them and it's kind of like kind of like a greatest hits album but not um, you friends with um, miley cyrus um, we grew up together on the Disney Channel, and I've known her for years, so yeah. See, I think she would be a good friend for you, because both of you had a break out of the child star mold, become right. stars, and she's even trying to throw over the Hannah Montana, you know, mm-hmm. years, and break away from the that, that, that image, and she's been trying to, you know, get, get into rock, and I had her mm-hmm. on with Metallica, it was awesome, I mean, they did a song together. That's sick. And it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty great, yeah. you know, and it's hard. It's hard to change that image because you're making tons of money, having tons of success in the pop world. It's kind mm-hmm. of a risk to start doing rock, right? Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I just had like, I had a lot of emotions whenever I came out of treatment, um, in 2021, I, I had a lot of emotions, a lot of anger, and uh, you know, that I was working through. And I was inspired by my friend's band. Her name is Emily Armstrong, and she's in a band called Dead Sarah. And I was inspired by their, their album. I saw them perform live, and I was like, you know what? I want to go back to my rock roots. So that's what I did. Wow. And and so so let's, hey, let's put this band to work. Let's see if okay. they know what they're doing. We're okay. going to evaluate them right now. <laughs> Demi has a band with her. 
We're going to uh, work on uh, some of these new songs right now in the studio, right? Mm-hmm. Let's see. Let's see. We're going to do a heart attack first. This is yeah. the rock version. By the way, you work with Slash on your new album, too. I did. Now, that's some motherfucker on guitar, right? Yes, I mean, he's, he's great. He's so great. He's great. You call him yourself and say, Slash, um, I need your ass on this album, and uh, you better get to work. <laughs> Something like that. Is it like that? You <laughs> called him yourself? Um, yeah. So I, I think I texted him and was like, this would be amazing for you to be a part of. And you have these like great, uh, you must have a great, uh, texting, uh, ability, right? I mean, you know everybody, <laughs> it seems like. You're able to just text slash. How did you even know him to get his text number? Um, my mom was friends with his ex-wife like years ago. Oh, wow. And, um, and then I met him through, you know, music industry okay. people. And so, yeah. He does the solo on uh, Sorry, Not Sorry. Here, listen. There's a little of this. Is he, he doesn't come in the studio and does it, does he? He was actually, I believe it was in Norway on tour when he recorded it in the studio. Amazing. And that doesn't limit the ability to do a song with him right i mean it no yeah he just cranks it out while he's on the road pretty incredible and you don't give many notes you say hey just do your thing yeah just do your thing were you really excited when you got it back and you, they, oh, they said yeah. hey, come to the studio we have slash's solo on here um they sent it to me oh, I see. but i heard it and i geeked out and then i played it for my mom and she geeked out and it was just so exciting uh, that's awesome yeah. all right so let's talk about the song heart attack we're gonna do first okay. with your band you okay. guys have done this a lot together, or is this fairly new? Yeah. You've done it a lot. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows your parts? <laughs> I hope so. You know, if you screw up, that's it. I know I, I don't, I'm coming on strong, but, you know. <laughs> Demi can tell you that herself. I have to tell you that. Um, so, any thoughts about this song before we hear you do it live? Um, not about the song, but can I have some tea? Tea you can have. <laughs> So you're allowed. No, but um, this song is a song that's been a part of my catalog for oof, maybe 12 years, something like that. This and this is a song you found, right? You didn't write this song? I changed some lyrics in it, so I wrote a little bit. But, right. Um, but yeah. What was it like when you first heard the song? Why did it resonate with you? I think it resonated with me because it was a... A song that you could really showcase your vocals on. Okay. Um, that was also a catchy pop song. Like it's 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 hard to write catchy pop songs that you can really sing on. Right. Um, unless you're Adele and you're just incredible at that. Um, but even Adele is in her own lane. It's not like pop pop music. You know, she's more soulful and um, and so pop pop music just feels. I always felt like it was hard to showcase my voice on right and this one came along and i was like wait i can really sing this so i did uh a producer said you sang the highest note they had ever heard i think it was on this track when you first did it yeah that's incredible (laughs) thanks yeah i mean thanks pretty awesome pretty great voice all right let's have some fun let's let's ride that we got a great band yes everyone's amped up to play yes you're gonna sing do you sit when you sing or you stand i like to stand it's better for your voice right it uh you can really you can project more yeah definitely i would stand when i sang but i'm too lazy (laughs) all right demi lovato's new album revamped it's going to be available this friday and 
And uh, as always, you hear Demi on uh, Sirius XM's hits. All right, here we go. This is from Revamp. I'll shut my mouth. step on it <laughs> you can step on it <laughs> I don't, wow i just drew a pentagram on the wall that's how I got, 
<laughs> you know, the band, yeah, that's right, Robin. I, you know, the band has such a great look. Why was it important to you to have an all-female band? What, what's going through your mind on that? I think that representation is important, you know, and, and inclusion is important. And an all-girl band isn't something that I've seen before backing an artist. So I wanted to do it myself. Has it been hard for you guys in your career? Because a lot of people are like, uh, you know, a, a woman can't hit those drums as hard as John Bottom kind of. I mean, you were pound. The floor was shaking when you were hitting those drums. <laughs> Beautiful job, Britt. Thank you. Yeah, yeah it's weird. I guess so. It, it's like I feel like there's pros and cons, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely been a, a do, do dudes give you a hard time? Like, are they a lot of time? Oh, yeah, you're a girl. <laughs> I've had a cu I've had a couple artists that I was going to audition for be like, uh, you know, like, I don't know if like you can hit as hard as a guy can. And it kind of makes me go like, eh, I don't really want to do it then. Like, you know, it's like because there's there is a lot of that. But, you know, on every. Instance. Yeah. Like, what? do I got to prove myself to you. But, you know, it's weird, too. I you know, the idea of a woman hitting the drums hard. I remember Kid Rock had this woman. I don't know her name. She was a phenomenal drummer. I remember years ago when he'd do my show. Yeah. And it would be like, whoa. It was something really exciting about it, actually, because I was so used to seeing a dude on drums, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. There's more and more now I'm seeing, which is awesome, because I do feel like it's a pretty male-dominated instrument. So it's really great to see more. Yeah, women. same with bass. Who's your hero on bass? Um, honestly, I mean... Early on in my touring experience, I toured with Sum 41, and Cone from Sum 41, like, blew my mind. All his stage presence is what I pull from, my stage presence. Like, yeah. I, I had, like, you know, influences growing up, but that was that was big for me. Yeah. To me, the best play bass player ever lived was Jack Bruce. Oh, Cream. yeah. Guy was on blue, played chords on the bass. He was insane. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the dude in the flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers, oh, too. Oh, yeah, of yeah, course. Insane, right? Yeah. Nice job, Leanne. Thank you. Constance, if you had a battle, like, when you have to uh, audition for men, and, like, it's always, about, oh, she's a girl, I don't want to, I don't want her in the band. Yeah, it's more of a, uh, we're afraid she's going to be a distraction, which, oh. I don't know if you guys ever get that, but. <laughs> in other words, uh, if you don't mind me saying, you're pretty hot. Uh, <laughs> so, in other words, like, they're afraid that you'll have too much stage presence. Yeah, sometimes they're afraid I'm going to, like, be too cool looking next to them, maybe. I don't know. Or, ma sucks. or make them look better. I don't know. I mean, that's <laughs> also a good thing. Like, you're not, yeah. you're not like, oh. I have a hot band. I want, yeah, you have a hot band. <laughs> yeah. And I think that ser I think that serves you well. I think that's dope. <laughs> Very think, hot band. Yeah. The girls of rock. <laughs> Demi, what also is going on with you uh, about uh, extraterrestrial life? I don't believe there's anything out there. No I way. I believe the universe is we're alone. This is a freak accident. I don't believe we go anywhere when we die. And I don't think there's life on any other planet. What do you think of that? Well, I think to each their own. Go ahead. Um, but, but I think that, I don't know, it's just I can't fathom... That we're the only life in the universe. Have you met aliens personally? No, I haven't. You consider the word alien uh, offensive to extraterrestrials. Okay, here's the thing about that. Go ahead. Someone <laughs> who is an expert in this field told me that, and then yeah. I like said it in one interview, and people are like, oh my God, she's being so sensitive. And I was like, no, it's just that's what I was told. You are a very sensitive woman, because you're worried about how the extraterrestrials are feeling about being no, called aliens. No, I call them aliens. I right. call them aliens. All right, yes. so this is just a belief. Do you believe the government is hiding evidence from yes, us? Yes, I do. believe that, yes. Do you you get political everyone is divided so i haven't seen 
aliens per se, but I've seen UFOs. I've seen many UFOs, and that's why I believe that they're. Where do you go to get see UFOs? I, and this wasn't when you were high. You were sober during it. No, uh, I was and, sober. You, and you um, saw the UFO. For some of it. Some of it I was high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, so we can't count on that. I'm not going to take yeah. a, a... Who knows what the hell you saw. <laughs> but no, What did were, you see and where were you? So, um, for instance, on my birthday, the first time that I ever... So what I do is I will actually meditate and then go... Transcendental to, meditation? No, this is like... With the intention of seeing UFOs. Oh, okay. So you meditate for like 30 minutes and then you open your eyes and you are, you want to do it someplace of a higher frequency. So like the desert. Um, so you meditate, you open your eyes and you look up. And for my birthday one year, I was like, guys, I really want to do this. Like I was with a group of friends. I was like, can we all meditate? Like, I know it sounds really boring, but I want to do this. But well, you really do have good friends. Cause I would have been like, yes. are you, you're my crazy. Like, Whatever you want to do, it's your birthday. <laughs> right. Okay, cool. So we were, we all of a sudden it, within 10 minutes, we look up in the sky and there was this huge orb of light that just appeared out of nowhere in the middle of the sky it was bigger than any other star in the sky then it starts to make like this motion movement of like a question mark in the sky and then it gets small and then it just backs out and i was like did y'all see that that's did they what see i'm it? talking about yes everyone saw it or are they afraid to tell you they haven't seen no, it no they all they right. all saw it and then there's been other occasions where um a light will like appear um on a lot of times it has to do with mountains for me. Why are these extraterrestrials all hiding from us? Why don't they come out and like, why do they have to fly around in a question mark? I don't understand why they don't like <laughs> Explain maybe, that to me. Maybe they were being symbolic um, with the question mark. I don't like it. Well, I, I think maybe they're waiting for humanity to come to conclusions on their own um, rather than just like showing themselves and freaking everybody out because, you know, a lot of people would lose their shit if... Oh, I would. It just appeared. I'm, listen, I got enough <laughs> trouble with the people on this planet. Never, no, now I need only more people visiting. It's enough. But you produced a show for Peacock called Unidentified yes. with Demi Lovato. Yes. And you did an investigation of extraterrestrials. You've yes. done your research. Yes. Why, when they catch us, do they probe us? What are they looking for, Demi? I don't think they probe us. They do. Anal exam. That's <laughs> part of me, ladies. It's the truth. I don't mean to bring up a sore subject. I don't, I've <laughs> never been. <laughs> Anally probed? <laughs> <laughs> no way. Well, you're about to get married. You might be. <laughs> oh, no. Anybody else no, anally probed here? Me and probed me. You, you were never probed. No, I was oh. never probed. Thank God. Thank God. You're so pure. I don't want to see you probed. <laughs> uh, and for the record, my wife hasn't been probed either because she ain't going for it. She's not looking for that kind of action. Anyway, Demi, this is exciting because we're going to do another song with the band. Yes. And your band can clearly play. Yes. I mean, there's no doubt. And uh, our next song is Cool for the Summer, the rock version, revamped. Ooh. Yes. And um, this is my kind of song because it is about same-sex desire, as you yes. know. Yeah. In other words, women with women. <laughs> well, men with men, too. Let's stick to women with women for a okay. second. You know, No, no, but seriously, yes, it is about same-sex desire. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you're very open about your sexuality. And, and like you, I believe that this country has gone berserk and people are now trying to turn back the clock. Who gives a shit if you want to love 
someone yeah, of the same sex. Who you want to love? Yeah. I, I love love. I'm so happy when my yeah. gay friends are together and they're in love and they're happy. I mean, what do I care? Yeah. Isn't it driving you crazy what's going on politically with this issue? Oh, don't get me started. Let's get started. <laughs> it's just, it's so, um, it's so sad and it's, it's horrific. awful. Yeah. It's and horrific. We, and we had we, made a lot of progress and now it seems like the clock is turning back. Yeah. It's like, what's happening? I don't understand. They're even talking about maybe gay marriage will be off the table because oh. of the Supreme Court that we, we now have. And I, that bothers me. That's yeah, just not fair. Too. Not fair. But this is about, was this your experience falling in love with a woman? I wouldn't say I fell in love with a woman um, with this song. I would say that this song, um, so I actually released it before I came out as bisexual at the time. And um, Did management tell you not to come out as bisexual? No. No, I just grew up in a Christian home and was kind of traumatized in that area didn't want to come out and um and so i you know when writing this song i was like thinking about the hookups that i had had with a girl and um decided to write this song so you had a hookup on the down low yeah keep it from everyone your mother yeah. uh, what were you really afraid of were you afraid it would affect your career no i wasn't afraid of how it would affect my career i've never obviously been afraid of no. Anything affecting How anything career. Is Clearly not. Career. Right. <laughs> um, it was more so like, you know, coming to terms with it myself. Like, I didn't actually come out as bisexual till I was 25, I right. believe, 24 or 25. Um, but I was, I had, I was really nervous to tell my parents. And they hadn't exhibited any, like, you know, disgust or anything like that towards people who were bisexual or gay or it just, um, I just was like, for some reason, really, nervous about it and i think coming from a christian household made me nervous for that um but anyways i i when i came out um my dad was like yeah you have a song called cool for the summer like it's you sat them down and said look i like yeah. women i like men i yes, like everybody i told my dad and we were on um we were going we were on a plane we were going to a show and I was like, I have to tell you something. And this is my stepdad we're talking about. Right. Um, I was like, I have to tell you something. And he was like, what is it? And I was like, I like girls too. And he was like, yeah, listen to Cool for the Summer. And I was like, okay, that was really easy. Isn't it amazing that you have all these fears and everything, and then all yes. of a sudden you tell people they don't give a shit, really? Yeah, like and my mom didn't either. She was just like, I just want you to be happy. And I was like, wow, wow. I built it up in my head. Did you ever and bring a girl home to your parents and say, look, I'm in a serious relationship with a girl and I want you to meet my girlfriend? Um, I brought a girl around. Um, yes, my mom has met girls that I have been dating before. Dating and or living with like a serious no, relationship? You've I've never, never gotten had that? A, no, never had a serious relationship. When you came out, did guys all of a sudden something? Oh, I want to go out with Demi because we'll bring girls into the bedroom. <laughs> did they? You know, guys have those ideas. Um, no, no, that didn't happen to me. Good. All right. Finally, something didn't happen to you. I'm really, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy about that. And I like the lyric in this song. Got a taste for cherry. I just need to take a bite. Got a taste for the cherry. The cherry. I just need to take a bite. What do you think of that? <laughs> wow. <laughs> you got a taste for the cherry. Yeah. And you put it in a song. <laughs> I put it in a song. Now that's a song. Yeah. Because <laughs> you got to write what you know about. Yeah. 
All right. This is, I'm going to listen with rapt attention. Okay. Uh, this is a great song. This is Demi Lovato. Cool for the summer. Her new revamped version with her band. did it wow. beautiful 
Thank you. Wow, you're hitting those notes early in the morning. Well, trying. I got to <laughs> tell my audience that when you see this, if you go on our app and you'll see the band, you guys got a great look. Like when you have you ever watched yourselves on video? Have you have you done that? Yeah, I've seen yeah. clips on like social media. You, uh, 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 Constance, you were saying you you've seen you guys like on video. Yes. It's a good looking band, and it and it and there's a, it's fun to watch. Thanks. Some bands are boring as fuck, <laughs> but this is a fun idea. You sort of rocking out with this band. Thanks. Yeah, no, I think it's really good. And you get to showcase your voice more on some of your greatest hits. Yes. When you write this song, did you go to the woman you wrote it about? Did you say no? I wrote a song about you. No. Why not? Um, I w when I wrote this song, I was in a relationship with a man. Oh. Yeah. And you were and thinking about her. <laughs> yes. So it couldn't uh -oh. have been that great a relationship when you think <laughs> well, about it. Well, it didn't last. No. So. <laughs> so think about it. Like when you find yourself writing about you tasted uh, cherry. I mean, you're thinking about her. Yeah, I was. <laughs> so why not? Do you think she knows you wrote this about her? Um, No. Oh, how honored she would be. You don't want to give her that? You don't want to say, you know, I just want you to know, uh, let's say her name is, I don't know, Susan. <laughs> is it Susan? Um, no. No, it's That'd be not great Susan. If I yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I, I, sometimes I write songs and I just leave them, let them be. Tell her right now. It's about her. <laughs> um, wow. Thank you. I just feel bad for her. She's not someone famous, right? Um, what if she is? Well, I'm curious, is she? <laughs> yeah. Oh, she is? Yeah. Well, then you should, then why wouldn't you tell her? Um, I'm in a relationship now and I feel like that would be inappropriate. Uh, yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah. You know what? You're right. Yeah. Because. Miss the moment. Yeah, yeah. you'll screw things yeah, up. Yeah, I missed the moment. Should have said it back then. <laughs> now, if you ever, would you ever tell that story of hooking up with somebody famous and falling in love with them? No, you would. I would never tell that story. In other words, you don't kiss and tell. Yeah, I don't kiss and tell. You're too fucking bad. That if I'm be if I've been in a public relationship with somebody, then that's different. Right. But like, if people don't know, I'm not gonna like. This was they never say something. I'm not gonna say. Anything. This was never public. No. Oh my god! You two sneaking around. <laughs> you with another famous woman sneaking around. Yeah. This is a, a very bit. important story. You realize that. <laughs> Better no. than UFOs. Oh, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> were you petrified that it was she petrified it would get out that the two of you were because no, you were both? No, no. We would go to a party and make out in front of people. And no one would. I mean, maybe people would bat an eye and be like, what is going on right there? But um, good for you. You were never like closeted. That was like with no. her. you were just like, hey, if it comes out, it comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're awesome. <laughs> but isn't she awesome? Yeah. yeah. Pretty great. Hey. <laughs> but now it'll become like the you're so vain thing. Who is the song? About? I know, I know. People are gonna wonder now. <laughs> wow. Is there something really exciting about being with someone famous? No. No? Oh. No, for me it is. I think for, for me <laughs> Um I've just been I guess I don't know. It's not can I tell you this? I was single for a little while. I've been married mm -hmm. like forever, but I was single for a little while. And, and I was with some famous people. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'd be like, I can't believe who's in my bed right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd be like, this is crazy. <laughs> 
and not and not like it was like I was really into the thing and the relationship and the yeah, whole thing, course. but but I was just like, well, that's pretty incredible. I've had moments where I've been like, this is random. Yeah, like this is <laughs> not a pairing that people would suspect, but this is hilarious. Right. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> I might have to get that story out of you at some point. <laughs> I don't know how to get it out of you. It would be I'm the a vault. Oh. I'm a vault. Might as well stop trying. <laughs> no, I will. I will stop trying. It's just intriguing. And by the way, the other thing we have in common, we were both judges on TV. Oh, yeah. That's right. I was on America's Got Talent and you yeah. were on X Factor. X Factor. Simon Cowell and Britney Spears. Yes. And L.A. Reid. And then the second season was Paulina Rubio and Kelly Rowland. Did you like it? Yeah. It was a lot of work. You know, for me, I, it was, it was especially hard because I was touring at the same time that I was doing mm. the show. So I would go to a city and they actually like planned the audition, um, cities around where I was touring and, or we worked in conjunction with them to yeah. figure out like how, um, it would be easiest with my schedule. And it was a lot of work. That's how I felt. Work. Yeah. I was like, this is crazy. You don't think it's going to be that much work. And then you're on set and you're like working however many hours. And you're like, this is. There were days I go, listen, this is enough. And yeah. I walk out and yeah. people would applaud because you were there. Sometimes I was there into the night. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought. But were is... you also mentoring as well as judging or not? Yes. I did oh, the poor mentoring. you. Yeah. <laughs> mentoring. I wasn't mentoring anyone. They said, go back and talk to the contestants. I said, you go back and talk to the contestants. You know what was hard about mentoring is like, yeah. I would get close to the contestants. Like, I'd build a relationship with them and then they would go home and I'd get really sad because I am such Aww. a sensitive person. I'd be like, no, these people have dreams and they, they want to accomplish their dreams and like, I could help them and then I didn't do a good enough job and now they're being sent home. Like, I took it really personal. Yeah, and, um, and, and the sad part is most of them do not. Even yeah. though they can sing, it's such a, it is an X factor. You've got to have something special and whatever that is, I don't know. I mean, yeah. you have it, but Thank most you. people don't. And by the way, you're performing at the Video Music Awards for the first time in six years tomorrow night. Yes. What's the game? Is this band going to be on stage with you? Yes, they will. Oh, let me tell you. I'll tune in. I like you Sick. guys together. <laughs> Thank you. What are you going to do? So what much. song? We're going to do a medley. So it'll be of uh, Heart Attack, Sorry Not Sorry, and Cool for the Summer. People will be surprised with this band. It's going to yeah. be a whole different thing. I'm excited. You guys got it all set? You're going you're gonna to choke? You're going to be nervous or you're okay? Oh, you're okay. No, it's, it's, it's a good show. It's going to never choke. You, yeah. You're going to choke? All right. No, so, I uh, never You never do. <laughs> <laughs> now, I did thought, you oh. coordinate the hair rocking thing where you two were going back and forth in sync? Maybe. Maybe we did. Maybe we were just cool like that. And how is it doing the... the I, 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 you did that show, the, um, um, the Mass Singer. Yes. You were a nana, a nana mouse. A nana mouse. Yeah, I did one episode of that. And it was fun to did just Did they like guess you right and, away? Um, I think that they probably guessed it right away in their heads, but didn't say it. They probably like had to like make it. People, a few of them guessed it right away. Because you can really sing. I mean, they, they're probably like, oh, wait, this isn't some <laughs> douchebag. I mean, you can sing. Yeah, it's and, not the usual. And you did What About Love by Heart. That mm -hmm. is such a great song. Thank you. I had a lot of fun doing it. It was fun to dress up in like this giant mouse costume. I was afraid I was going to get claustrophobic, but I didn't. That's a tough song to sing. Well, probably not for you, but it's a tough song, I would think, for most singers to sing. What about love? <laughs> and then you got to go up high, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. You know. What about love? Yes. Yeah, that, that one.
Very good. Excellent. What's your favorite cover song? If you have to cover a song in con, do you you do you in your concert? Do you do cover songs? I did Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls um, oh, okay. on my last tour, and right. that was really fun. I've said to those guys, that's the worst name for a band, Goo Goo Dolls. They have good songs, but <laughs> you they- think it's it's worse than Bare Naked Ladies? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. It's like the Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know what I mean, right? Okay, you, you know no, what they're is a great. Goo-goo they're doll. really right. great. I'm a huge fan of theirs. Robin, you want to play for Demi your cover of um, no, Skyscraper? Will you stop our it? own oh Robin? Oh my God, really? Oh my God, Let she me does. Tell you and I'm going to. I hate to say Demi. this, Demi. She, she does it better than you. I want to sing. Yeah. I want to uh, sing like you sing. And I want to have that that freedom. Oh, stop mm-hmm. it! You're so good. But I don't. She and she's so, so modest. It's a nightmare. Uh, but I I get caught singing songs. Stop like it, this. Robin! <laughs> she's setting you up because wait till you hear her pipe. Okay. You can take everything I have. Beautiful. Her vulnerability. You beautiful. Is she an angel? So beautiful. Robin, you're way too modest. You sound like you're about to cry. It's so emotive. I wanted to. Oh, she cried all all right. A lot of us did. You nailed it. You nailed it. (laughs) She's no Anana Mouse, but uh, I'll tell you what. Well, listen, we had fun today. We had so much fun. Demi Lovato. Are we naming the band? You want to be called the Goo Goo Dolls? Demi Lovato and the Google Doll. Are you going to name this band, or are you just going to be Demi Lovato? I think I, I think I'm just Demi Lovato. Right. Yeah. And the band is Demi Lovato. Well, we have to come up with a name. Yeah, I guess we never. We have to come up <laughs> yeah. with a Lovato, like Van Halen. <laughs> or Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. He goes, I have a good name, Bon Jovi. <laughs> well, this was a lot of fun. Yes. The album is called Revamped. What Demi has done. I don't think anybody's ever done this before. If I'm if I'm correct, I don't know. So I'm going to take a bunch of my songs and I'm going to revamp them. Yeah. You know, I don't do people do that? I don't think so. No one's ever gone and said I'm going to like rock my songs and take a different take. I don't think. I don't know either. I don't think so. Yeah. Well, this was a fun hang. Very fun. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. And I haven't been Thank in this. Thank you for coming. Oh, this listen, a lot we loved it. Thank you. You know, some people avoid us. <laughs> no, let's go. Shows you're up for anything. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but thank you. I want to thank your band, uh, Britt and Constance and Leanne and Demi, of course, you. Thank you. And uh, wow, this was just a great morning of music and conversation. And thanks for being so open. Thank yeah. you. And uh, and now just mention the name of the woman, the famous woman you were with, and then we'll be complete. <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe next time. All right, Demi Lovato, everyone, get the album revamped, and don't forget to listen to her on Sirius XM Hits 1, and uh, that's it. Robin, uh, we'll, we'll get together tomorrow for another yes, day. Yes, we will. All right.